Today's episode of the Black Flag Podcast is brought to you by Evan Orvath of Solero Commerce. We're coming to you live from the Solero Commerce compound as always. And if you own a small business that accepts debit or credit cards, you got to go check them out. Get in touch with Evan Orvath or contact one of us and we'll get you a free second opinion on your current merchant service provider. Today's episode is also brought to you by CircleBDieCast.com. If you're looking for any diecast or any other NASCAR memorabilia, be sure to go check them out and use promo code BFP123 for $5 off your shipping costs on orders over $20. We would also like to thank Any Racing News, The Graphics Coop, and Daniel Eugene Photography for their support, and of course, the pals over on Patreon. If you haven't yet, go over to patreon.com slash blackflaggedpodcast and subscribe for $4.69 a month. You get some merchandise discounts, some monthly giveaways, and of course, some exclusive content. Brad Keselowski is going to be shown the black flag. It's the Black Flag Podcast. Every fucking week. Fuck, I hate my fucking job. Race analysis. Yeah, we're only girls pull hair, so. Maggie forgets that if they changed the rules and took the champion's provision away, he wouldn't have been able to race the last two years, so. Uh, Occasional alcohol consumption. Jimmy Johnson is on pit road because I think he's the leader. And calling people on their shit. It refrains me from not beating the shit out of you right now because you ask me stupid questions. This week's Black Flag Podcast is now in session. Hey, we had some out we beat him so it's all good all right boys and girls this is going to be episode 177 of the black flag podcast as always i am charlie sanborn uh to my left is bradley saucier and to his left is bobby timmons the three of us make up the black flag podcast and that would be found at at black flag pod on all things social media more importantly that is on the patreon app so head on over to wherever you get your apps from look up the black flagged podcast for uh exclusive uh content and discounts on all merchandise so uh with that in the books now for the uh, beginning of the show uh you fellas uh you starred correct we did yeah star uh one of the biggest events of the year for them the sbm 125 they had the tri-track series in town um that's an event that I will always get up for. Uh, I will always, always travel down to Star 4. I've actually seen uh, throughout the last couple of days on my social media that the Snapchat memories are uh, flowing back in from the last four years. I guess I've gone to the last four SBM 125s. Uh, always a great show, uh, beautiful facility, and they just the mods put on a great show there. It was uh, a lot of fun. It was really hot. Uh, I was glad that I didn't have a car to work on. I, I don't do that type of stuff. Um, I kind of just, you know, recruit people to come to the racetrack. Had a lot of people reach out like, hey, you going to Oxford tonight? Nope, I'm at Star. Oh, man, that's tough. Uh, Star's 20 minutes extra of a drive than Oxford. Uh, um, Yeah, like, I'll, I'll, I'll think about it. And then, like, 30 minutes later, they call me back. They're like, I'll see you soon. I'm on the way. Perfect. That's the best news that you could possibly have. So, recruited some friends that uh, don't typically Star. I think a couple of my friends, numerous people had only starred once, and a couple of people had never starred before. So had a nice little group of people up in the grandstands, did a nice little race pool, and uh, naturally a kid that had never been there before won the race pool. So um, that's just the way she <laughs> goes typically. It but uh, it was cool. We, uh, before uh, before the event kicked off, Woody Pitcat, the driver of the 88, one of the friends of the program, uh, let us in on a little secret that, uh, that he had uh, been – whipping up, I guess, that he was going to have the biggest BFP sticker that's not on Dan Collins's Mad Bomber on his uh, taillight panel. And uh, he even had the, the the first one that even had come for the race cars, stay for the people below it. So absolutely love to see that. And uh, so, yeah, we made our way over to Star. Bobby was a uh, flabby burden, and then I was uh, just hanging out in the parking lot, waiting for everyone else to show up, and then got quite the group together and uh, ended up piling into the grandstands. But Bob, how was the... Uh, how how went the flappy birding? We had an eventful night. <clears throat> um, 
car was pretty good right off the trailer. You know, we've been pretty fast lately. Uh, kind of sucked in the race two weeks ago when I alluded to it being a parade float. So we focused this week on just trying to make the car drive really good in traffic and in dirty air. Um, coupled that with what I learned um, racing in conjunction with the Tri-Track Modified Series, what their Hoosier rubber mixes with our American Racer rubber. It doesn't. It really doesn't. It's like racing on goose shit. So um, took what I basically what I fucked up at Seekonk and coupled that with trying to make the car turn uh, race good in dirty air. And I think we I think we were pretty good. I passed a couple cars up top in the heat race, sold some T-shirts, um, reverted right back to my catfishing ways for the feature. Um, but started seventh, um, dropped the green. We went into one. Um, at the time, I thought I thought I got run into from behind. Got loose in the center of one and two. Buzzed the tires coming off of two. Got real sideways off of two, and then and then got hit from behind again. Spun out. Um, with Bradley Babb, I was kind of mad at Brad. I thought, like I said, I thought he got into me once, kind of got me around, and then got into me again when I really went around. But had to eat a big old plate of crow. Uh, when I watched the video, I realized I just fucked up and got loose all by myself. Um, there was really nothing he could do. He had nowhere to go. Got into the back of me, spun me around. He clipped me again, wrecked his car. I obviously got to keep going, but had some damage. So had to text Brad and say I was sorry for for being mad at him. Um, didn't really have any reason to. It's always it's always fun to eat crow. It's my favorite flavor. So. Restarted last, which was uh, tenth out of the ten of us that were remaining, and knocked Bradley out of the race, and um, passed every single one of them. But Ben Tinker uh, drove up to second, had a really good car. Um, obviously, I, I bent the wheel in the right front and, and dinged up some body work, but it didn't didn't affect the performance of the car at all. Um, passed Jeffrey three wide. Uh, we split Jimmy Storis down the front stretch. That was the move of the race. Um, Tyler Morris talked about it the whole night. A lot of fans came down and said that was a great move, and uh, the Super Modifieds weren't boring for once, I think. Even though we only had 10 cars, it was a lot of racing, a lot of action, and uh, drove to second. I, I caught Ben at the end, but I wasn't going to pass him. I just didn't quite have enough race car to drive around him. He was real good, and uh, it's cool to see. It's my old car. Um, and then I also said in victory lane, Ben was almost like a brother to me growing up. My dad kind of took him in and raised him from when he was 12 on up and uh to see him get his first win with that car and his first win at star was cool you know if i'm gonna finish second which i don't like people are starting to make fun of me for it now i'm like <laughs> second is still I, pretty good i passed every car on the property except the guy that won like what that what is bad about that you know especially when i'm a week you know a week ago i was pissing and moaning about how their parade floats and no one can pass <laughs> you know, i was like pretty happy with that i've had people like shitting on me i'm like all right whatever i you know, keep paying the bills you know fucking we're stacking dollar bills at this point. We're not even stacking pennies when we keep finishing second. So, um, so congrats to Ben. Uh, if I'm gonna finish second, that's the guy to do it to. Certainly would rather lose to him than than Jeffrey Battle or anyone else. So, solid night. Rolled the car back in the trailer. Got up and got to spectate the uh, Tri Track Mod Series race. Um, really had no idea what was going on. I missed the start, and there's no PA system for the pit stands. So during the mod race, I just was like, well, why? Why is Matt Hirschman not not racing? Because he wasn't. He just was fucking around at the back, and then kind of found out that he got penalized a lot for speeding in the pits, and it all made sense after. Yeah, kind of thought something was broken in his car because he was always riding around the back. And so, like, as the uh, the guy that I love watching tri track, I love watching modifieds. I love watching them specifically at Star Speedway, and Star Speedway is kind of his stomping ground in the tri track series. So. He was riding around in the back for so long that, you know, all my friends that had never been there before, you know, he was the first one off the board in our race pool. There was nine of us. So, obviously, he's pretty good um, for those people who don't know, I guess. And uh, so, he uh, he's just riding around, riding around, riding around. We're at lap, like, 75. It's 50 to go. He's still in the back riding around. And I'm like, he's still going to win the race. I hope you know that. He's still going to win by a straightaway. And Rusty goes, yep, and shakes his head. And then he just 
never even came towards the front. Never, um, never even started working, like just rode in last. Yeah. It's very unmat Hirschman like of him. He yeah. had, he started off, the day started off tough in his heat race. He was wheel to wheel with Sam Ramo. They got together, pretty much put him, put him out in the weeds and he fell all the way to last in his heat race. So I was like hyping it up. Like Brad said, you know, to my girlfriend who's never seen modifieds and everybody like, Oh man, Hirschman starting 28th out of 29 tonight. Like that's going to be a show. And, uh, he rode around at the back, you know, saving tires like he would do. And then, then the pit stop happened, I think it was what, like 53 to go. Yeah. And I was like, all right, here's the fucking, here's the show. Same thing. I'm hyping up to Abby. I'm like, oh, watch it. Yo, keep your eye on this red number 60. Like he's going to carve him up. No, no. Yeah. It didn't pass anybody. We don't know what we're talking about, Charlie. Uh, apparently. <laughs> apparently. Apparently. <yeah>. Apparently. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but no, other than that, it was a great race. I mean, Woody ran up, so I Woody picked, was the show. Yeah, I Woody picked was Woody. Absolutely the show. I picked Woody in the uh, race pool. He was the only guy that you could n- see noticeably making the top work in the heat races. And I'm like that, that. If you can make the top work like that, you have a damn good car. So he, uh, he was up front the entire time, ran in the top five, really the entire race. So did Jake Johnson. And, uh, they had the, I know we haven't had a good grinds my gears in a while. The choose cone absolutely destroys my gears. Like, doesn't grind them, just ruins them, explodes them. That is the biggest gimmick in racing. I was going to say, you, you nailed it when we were talking about Richmond. It just is a gimmick. such a gimmick. It's stupid. Like, the tri-track modifieds, you know, stars a racy little joint, as Sean Foster would say. Sean would say that. Um, he has been on record of saying that. Doesn't need a choose cone. <laughs> like, like, Kevin Rice has been one of the biggest proprietors of this SBM race. Like, he... When he didn't live in New Hampshire, he lived in North Carolina. He came home for this race. Like he loved this race. And every time I think of the SBM, I think of him. You know, he, he's a reporter and he helps generate money for this. And he was absolutely disgusted. It didn't even know that the choose cone was now a thing. And on the flip side, Woody was the only motherfucker that took the top every time. I mean, every well, not every time, but eventually. Well, it's star. enough times to where he drove to second and stayed in second. Hold the take star. So I assume like eight people took the bottom and then somebody was like, I, I, I'll try it. Fuck Pretty it. much. Yeah. The top two or three chase Dowling. You ain't good. You were not getting him off the bottom. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he ever chose the top ever and drove his way from second to fifth being stuck on the bottom. And uh, Woody made it work. Him and Max Zackham put on a whale of a show. You know, Woody would choose the top and Max would beat him. And then they'd have a caution and Max would choose the bottom and Woody would choose the top. And then Woody would beat him. And then, Eventually, Woody chose the bottom, Max chose the top, and Woody was good enough to drive back by him for second at the very end. But uh, the official BFP Dick Stomp of the Week award, that's kind of like a new award I <laughs> accidentally started. Um, actually, Woody gave us gave me the idea of it when he asked if that was a Dick Stomp when he won at Stafford a few weeks ago, was Jake Johnson. I believe he led 90% of the laps, Yeah, and no one touched him at the end. Yeah, Nobody was even close. Absolutely on rails, and... Uh, to the point where I I had had a couple cocktails in me and uh, I I walk into the I don't, I don't walk into people's trailers almost ever but um, pretty good friends with the Johnson crew so I walked right in and his dad was the only one in there and uh, and he's got a big old grin on his face I come over dap him up gave him a hug and he goes man that's worth a hug from a sweaty old guy huh and I was like <laughs> yeah and he, I was like how cool is that and he goes man you don't even understand he's like that means so much more to me than the snowflake win and I'm like damn like that's saying a lot, and obviously Jake hasn't had a long, illustrious modified career. Uh, he's he's done his his work in the late models, but this is cool because uh, I mean it was cool to hear him say that. Not only that, but also you know it it showed how quick Jake was right out of the box when he went to Seekonk and uh, finished third ahead of uh, Matt Hirschman. So that's, he, uh, that was cool. Nobody's ever denied that he uh, 
that sucks at driving the race cars. No, so. no even actually, when I called him a cunt at Beechridge for wrecking <laughs> the legend car, I knew he was good. Yeah. Like I knew he was fast. I just <laughs> didn't like that yeah. at the time. It's fair <laughs> enough. We, I mean, he, he even made the wall of fame behind us that no one can see. Uh, that's uh, that is true. That is the jet right behind, right behind me, that between Charlie guy. and I. Yeah. So uh, it's the same it's, guy. It's one of those guys. Boy, do we wear that saying out this weekend? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm bummed I missed it. We'd boys. see Woody like from eight pit stalls away. That's that guy. And yeah, that's that guy. <laughs> when you're back, it's like... <laughs> I could just tell that every time Woody would end up taking the top, you know, he'd he'd fall back to fourth. He'd take the top, come up, you know, restart in second, and I could just tell he'd be like up, up on the outside. <laughs> just talking to himself. <laughs> yeah, thousand percent, thousand percent. That was real good race, real entertaining. You know, they rattled off the first, I think, what seventy three laps without a yellow. Yeah, and then uh, inevitably somebody running fifty third on back would spin out and uh, bring out the race's first yellow, and they proceeded to, I think it was the guys from fifty third on back that brought out all the yellows. But, yeah, yeah, yep. they kept yellowing for pretty often. That, that makes sense. You'll, that... you'll have that. Like at one point, they, I think there was. They rattled off a decent little run. Jake was checked out. Woody had a decent gap over Max. Max had the rest of the field covered. I'm like, okay, our friends are running first, second, and third. It's a, it's, a, it's like not even nine o'clock because it's gonna be a good night. Caution with two to go. Like, of course, yeah, <laughs> fucking course. <laughs> yeah, no. The, the, when when all three of those guys got into the top three, I'm like, I don't care how they finish, just finish. And then they would not finish. There'd be a yellow, a yellow, <laughs> a yellow. I'm like, holy fuck. And uh, but no, other than that, they put on a great show. Love to see Jake get the win. Woody obviously on the podium. Max on the podium. Three cars out of a field that maybe four cars had BFP stickers. Three of them all ended up on the podium. So uh, that's the first podium sweep of BFP friends of the program in quite a while, I assume. Uh, was, I, was that part of the only podiums podiums pals presented by only podiums? that is that is part of the uh, only podiums podium pals of the week presented of by those. only podiums yeah i do i have a very very long list of only podiums podium pals of the week presented by only podiums <laughs> i don't know how i did that three times in a row or twice how much podiums could a podium only podium if a podium could only podium yes a lot how much yeah, would, would sure. jack would jack if jack would could jack would a lot, I think. <laughs> I don't. Um, so Christopher Palkey won in the late model at Thunder Road on Thursday night. Alexander Fern finished uh, first in the limited late model at Stafford. Trevor Rock, I believe, uh, finished first in a street stonk at Claremont, I believe, on Friday. And then the rest of these, I don't know exactly if they won or if they didn't. Colin Vaness, I think, finished second. Matt Brewer, I think, finished second. Third. Third, that was same deal. Andrew Moeller definitely won. The high roller. The high roller. Noah Gregson definitely won. Woody finished second. Jake the Jet won, obviously. Matt Zackham finished in third. We already touched on that. Chase Belcher definitely won. Tanner Woodard, I believe, finished second in the Flying Tiger at White Mountain. Derek Bukaki. Have you seen the stats on that motherfucker for the year? It's pretty all right. Holy shit. He's finished first or second eight out of nine times, I think. That's... That um, but yeah, he won. similar. But... What to Travis Hydar? <laughs> yeah, him too. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding, Bob. You can stay. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> <the> fucking loser finishes <laughs> second every week. Bukaki finished first Six at White Mountain in the, the late models. Uh, Dave Cameron picked up the uh, the slingstone sling sling runner win at Star Speedway. Maddie Sanborn won or finished with a trophy some at of some sort at Wiscasset, and uh, I believe Mike Perry picked up a win as well. Oh, you left out Nate Barth finishing third. Well, I got the, the Oxford ones in oh. front of me. Uh, obviously, uh, not to toot my own horn, but I finished second. Um, 
and horn your own toot, if you will. That's I won't. <laughs> I believe we're seven races in at Star, and I've got five seconds and a win, and then one parade float. Um, at the Oxford Plain Speedway, um, Joey Dwyer finished third in the hundred lap super late model race. Did somebody not come over to you and I at Star and tell us he won? That definitely did happen. And someone told us that Smitty won. Yes. Smitty did not win. Smitty did not win. Smitty got uh, fourth. Kevin Oliver was third in the Modifieds. Uh, Colby Reserve third in the Limited. S- limited Sportsman. Joey Israelson picked up the win in the Street Stonks. Um, let's see. On Friday night at Oxford. Did Alex Moore do good things? I think he did. He did. I'm getting to Friday right now in... Dude, just reading the. I do like how Oxford posts their results very easily yes. and very quickly. Yes. Unfortunately, I'm slow at reading. So in the uh, Mad Stonks on Friday night, Nate Barth did finish a second to Brian Caswell, and in the Sport Trucks, Alex Moore was on the podium in third. Lots of pals on the podium. Plenty of pals on the podiums. That's the only podiums podium pals of the week presented by only podiums. Four more times. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that. Nah. Yeah, I uh so uh, but we 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 also go-karted on Friday. It was and a it very was fucking like smooth. It was a very nice night at the go-kart. Except before, for you guys. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to okay. talk about it. Uh, before <laughs> that was tough. Before the go-karts, we did before we did go-kart things. I always, you know, I I had heard or I'd seen advertised that the place that's right past the go-kart track, Waterboro Market or whatever the fuck it's called, oh, had were. cheap gas. <laughs> I'm like, "You know what? I'm going to go cheap gas. My gas lights on." I'm gonna gas. Apparently cheap food so too. I mm, so I it wasn't that cheap. So <laughs> uh, I get mm. gas. I uh, I texted Charlie because we do this little neat thing where we switch off who gets the alcohol for the week. Um, and he didn't text me back, and it was like six ten. I'm like, okay, well we go green and like soon. So I'm gonna go to the gas station and buy some shit. So I go and I get like three cases of high noons. If I don't drink them tonight, I'm gonna drink them at, the, at Star the next day anyway. So mint get gas and then i'm like i'm pretty fucking hungry i you know they have this nana's kitchen and i'm like this you know the food looks good underneath the lamp you know i don't know what kind of tint what kind of hue they got on that fucking lamp tell you what food absolutely rubbish like some of the worst (laughs) shit that i have ever had in my mouth and that's saying a fucking lot i think the only person in my entire life that rubbish. has ever said rubbish is my 90-year-old grandmother. And when Brad said that on Friday, I fucking lost Very it. Very old man <laughs> statement. I'm not kidding when I say, like, the tenders, 0.6 out of 10. I've, I've come to find out over my years of experience of life, if they're under a warming lamp that's rotating, that is tough. What's KFC's excuse then? Because they're pretty, pretty freaking good. It's they're not as bad as Nana's Kitchen out of a gas station you in would Waterboro. Think that <clears throat> Nana's Kitchen wouldn't stink. I think it'd be like phenomenal. Right, my Nana. Nana it, makes great. Nana, if you, if my you Nana, show me a hole in the wall gas station and there's a tendy portion of the rest or the gas station made by someone called Nana. They're an automatic eight before you even have them, I feel. Oh, my God. I guess they, uh, they, subtract uh, 7.4 from that. That's well, tough. Said there my my that tough. Nana would have never fed me something <laughs> that fucking <laughs> awful. Foul. 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 Foul in more ways than one. It didn't even come with a kiss on the cheek. You foul, know? Brad. Foul because it's a bird. Terrible. Did foul, you eat the whole thing? Gross. 
Get it. I ate all of it. I was hungry. <laughs> you know, I'm a fat kid at heart. I tell you what, though. So we we roll into Bartlett. I'm fashionably late. I love probably, your commitment. <laughs> probably wearing just. I don't know. I look like I just ran a mare. I look like Adam Sandler in any picture in public you've ever seen. So I get in there, not enough parking right behind where you actually, like where we announce and stuff, which is where we all park. So I just let the parking attendants work their magic. They park me way over in the fucking uh, commuter lot or whatever. Yeah, you were parking, so, you were parking in Gorham. So, <laughs> so I <laughs> sit down lot. and I'm like, whatever. AC cranked. It is hot as balls. I'm going to crack a nooner and I'm going to eat my fucking Nana's tenders. I... Your nenders. I so much as pull one Nana's tender out, and all the breading falls off. And there's like a bad s- sign. There's like a slime to them. They're like they're like bendy. They're like they might have might as well been rubber. Were they one chicken or they were, were they, they were chickens? they nothing apart about those were chicken. It was like fucking ferret or something. <laughs> it was Ooh, so bad. Ferret tenders. I'm not kidding. Like fenders. I, I like took one bite. <laughs> And if it wasn't for my stomach, like, it I don't know real? if it was yelling, like... <laughs> They're going to have to be. Fenders? Remember when we talked about, remember when we talked about <laughs> Probably what more tasty. foods we were going to have at our racetrack? Fender. Fender. <laughs> Turn <laughs> five fenders. On a stick. <laughs> oh. On a zip tie. That's some... Maybe that's what we had at Volusia was ferret. I mean, it <laughs> certainly wasn't steak. I, it definitely was not gator. That's a hell of a that's a it hell of a way to gator. sell ferret, though, is be like, oh, see that pawn back there? Friggin' the best gator you've ever seen right here <laughs> on a stick. We put some pepper, and now it, it tastes like... fur on it. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Is, is that a feather? I would have much rather there been... I would have rather it been... Weird way good. to eat a fur burger. <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't have said that i tried so hard not to say that (laughs) oh no i would have rather the tenders been good tenders like stafford speedway tenders with fucking fur on them (laughs) (laughs) than eat whatever nana was selling you would rather you would rather deep fry your tenders in uh used cat hair (laughs) you're just (laughs) you're just walking a shag carpet i don't get these Fuck, <laughs> spin those things around with egg, fur, and pepper, and just dunk them on in there. Sell them to me, I'll give you at least a one. Uh, it's going to start with a one. Nothing sucks more than when you get hair in your mouth, though. Uh, uh, three things I won't eat. <laughs> three things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hairy tomatoes, that's two of them. <laughs> so you finished the tender. Oh, boy, did I. I... <laughs> Yeah, uh, it was one of the worst decisions of my life. You also had to excuse yourself at one point, didn't you, from the uh, the announcer station? Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> so those tenders that I put down, um, you had to do a dookie. Yeah, and yeah. the go karts. Yeah, they, they were just as slippery and rubbery coming back. Out. I might as well have just put my shoe right in the shitter and just fucking <laughs> let the dookie shoes eat. Uh, it was bad. Uh, just... Call back. That'll make sense later on. Yeah. So if you um, if you go to a gas station. Probably just don't. So the, the thing is, is like I love a gas station food, like, but I'm saying like not out of like the hole in the wall that like they claim to be a did restaurant. I, not I, good. Do you pass the uh, Timberline? Actually, I don't even know what it's called anymore. I always called it Torrey Timberland. Hill. Timberland, no gas station. Their oh, food is very good. It's happening on the way to Bartlett. I saw uh, you there. Is it? Oh, Harry's. Harry. Okay. Harry. It used to be Harry. Timberland. <laughs> uh, Gary. <laughs> Gary was on the call for the SBM 125. Was he? Yeah. No shit. He comes over to me. He's like, you racing tonight? I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, fuck. I'm like, why? He's like, I got to announce tonight. I'm like, why? He's like, well, Ben Dodge is sick. I'm like, yeah, I know that, but why you? <laughs> He's like, yeah. And I was like, well, shit. 
I said, uh, me and Sauce will come up and do it after we've had about nine nooners after the Super Modified race. He's like, perfect. <laughs> well, sorry I didn't sign us up to announce the SBM 125. That's fine. I would have, <laughs> you know, it, good thing that those things are loud. You could hardly hear, you could hardly hear what was being said, but I guess that probably does, does come through on Racing America. And um, and it was good that, you know, Tyler, shouldn't have talked. Tyler Morse is the announcer at Star, and he never gets to do the big races, you know, and he finally got to call the SBM 125, and he was pretty fucking pumped about it, so. Yeah, well, and he's really good at what he does, so that's that's good to see. Way better than us if we were up there, so. Mm. But, yeah, uh, that was, I think Did that was Mike my work, at least. Yeah, uh, probably. I think that was my grind. Yeah, talk, gears, talk about that. Don't eat chicken. From there, there, we couldn't talk. <laughs> yeah, we tried. <laughs> we we, we uh, just unplug our mics we, right now, and then they can hear what the, the, everyone else was hearing. Here's a simulation of what Charlie and Brad said during the first three <laughs> heat races at Bartlett on Friday. <laughs> tough, uh, tough look for you guys there. <laughs> It wasn't on us. For whatever it's worth, we, no, we were uh, talking. Yeah, we were, we were doing. We we were having not, a hell of a time. But. Not completely silent because at one point we were getting ready to do the drivers meeting, and Charlie will make the call on the loudspeaker, and uh, you hear attention in the drive. Fuck. <laughs> I'm like, well, that cut through. <laughs> of course it did. Uh, at least they didn't say. Jeremy did that one time. That uh, was a that was a problem. But uh, you guys got to sort it out, anyways. Well, so here's the deal, Bob. We uh, what was it? Two weeks ago was our, our last time, or what? Last week? Two weeks ago. Two yeah. weeks ago, they worked fine. I yeah. we we put them back where we found them. They were working when we stopped using them. We come back two weeks later. They instantly did not work uh, <laughs> for for whatever reason that may have been. So typically there are two microphones that we use. One is the we call it the droopy mic, and the other one's the hot mic. The droopy mic has a has a button on it that just slides freely at, at will, does what it wants. So you have to hold it up for it to be hot. The other one is always on; it just doesn't shut off. So that's the hot mic. Well, we were at one point we had we had the hot mic and both cords, and that mic did not work. Period. Then we had the droopy mic in my cord, and it didn't work. And then we plugged it into Brad's cord, and it kind of worked only a little bit, maybe sometimes. And we're like, okay, I am pretty sure it is a microphone issue and not the cords because well, process of elimination, a little bit of diagnostic work. That's the conclusion we came up to. So shortly we had Eddie and uh, what's his name there? Uh, Danny. Danny. Danny Stewart. Like Danny Danny. Like Danny Danny? Uh, running around trying to find at least one other microphone well apparently on the entire property there are three microphones two of which were in the go-kart booth the other one is the motocross track one so danny comes back and we have at least one mic where we are sharing a mic literally for the first little while there until eddie figures out the other one so we then go into two mics well then we get the microphone issue working and the speaker next to us which we talked about last week is very crucial to us knowing what the fuck we're doing because like right now we got headphones on it's you can't not have it at this point you're so used to it so when the mic when the speaker next to us doesn't work we assume that none of the speakers are working nobody can hear us that was not the case apparently everybody could hear us we just couldn't hear ourselves again so that got sorted out and then we were like halfway through the show before we figured out everything was finally working so it was a fuck show was, we uh, rebounded nicely though yes. we had a little bit of a late start didn't go green till seven thirty. But uh, last checker flag flew at 9.42. Tight little program. I didn't look at the time on my phone all night because I didn't want to jinx us, but I pulled out my phone as soon as I gave uh, Wing Champ Cart feature winner um, 
think it was Wade Worcester won that. And I looked at my phone, 942. I was like, fuck yeah. Like, that's that's what gets me going is when I we get the whole show in in under three hours. Yeah. Well, closer to two almost. But right, it's two, yeah. and, two and 15 minutes. So. Yeah. No, it's a, it is an ideal situation. Not that we don't not want to be there, but we want to just do it right and go home. Yeah, if That's you're all. there for too long, it that means it was a fuck show. So yeah, yeah. I mean, there's you're gonna have it. There's some times that maybe I should have thrown a caution and I didn't, but you got to balance. You know, if a guy spins out all by himself, especially running towards the back, like you, you deserve a yellow. And, and cautions breed cautions, and and so. Uh, so sometimes people get hung out to drive, but I don't forget it. You know, when people are good sports and they, they keep it going to keep the show going, I appreciate the hell out of that. But I think all the racing was really good, really clean, no issues. I don't I don't think any mad parents, which is hasn't happened lately. Um, that was cool. And, uh, shit, I was out of there by 10 o'clock on the road. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no bears were hit. No, no, no animals no, were killed. No groundhogs this the, week. Uh, no, nope. Um, friend of the program, photographer Jeff Brown, he uh, shot the – SBM 125 from the three turn at star, and he poured one out for the homie groundhog. <laughs> um, rest in peace, little groundhog buddy pal. I, I like a Jeff Brown. He can stay for sure. Oh, yeah, like him it. and all the all the photographer pals oh, were at yeah. star this week. Tom uh, Tom Morris was there. Yeah, Tom took our EP picture. He did. We, we, uh, we, we took a picture at the back of Woody's car, and Brad sat in a way that made him look like he has a big vagina. Oh, well, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and the, re- the photo is sick. But my girlfriend, she just burned. She's like, I can't not notice it, and now I just can't look at it and not notice it. Well, the 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 problem was that Fupa. Tom took eleven d four pictures, and that was just the one that got sent over. And like, I I saw it, and I'm like, it's just the way that I'm sitting, and you know, the yeah, tightness Brad, Brad of my doesn't shorts. actually have a vagina. I mean, like, I can show probably. whoever, but like, that's <laughs> going to be a Patreon thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah subscribe so... to our Patreon four six nine a month to see Brad's not vagina. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, I, so I guess I, I saw the did picture. Did I just volunteer you to sell dick pics? I think you did. Uh, but I was like, I, I was like, that's not a great picture for me, but at least I nailed the hand placement, which is all that really I cared about was the, my, me perfectly pointing at the Peyton Strong sticker because I was afraid that I was just going to be like covering up half of her name and it would make no fucking sense. So I'm like, ah, it's good, but like whatever. And then I posted it in the minute, like not a minute, the minute of, but then Scott goes, nice moose knuckle, Brad. <laughs> and I just laughing, like laughing emoji liked it. I'm like, that's fucking perfect because, uh, yeah, um, it's a big old moose. So, <laughs> but no, we got that good picture. And then uh, we ended up, we were able to hang out with Woody afterwards, which was cool. We didn't, I haven't really got a chance to do that, but it was, uh, came full circle. We finally, we, you know, that was the biggest BFP sticker that was not on Dan Collins's hood. And uh, it was a guy that we all grew up kind of, watching and being fans of so that was pretty cool and he is uh, the official open modified driver of the bfp yes yes that is the case he can stay uh i i do have a uh well actually let me uh let me just get who uh who the show is presented by before we get too much farther so again this show is brought to you by the sponsors on the zero limited that is mccormick and sons trucking in hollis maine black point auto and towing in scarborough maine linux of portland in portland maine uh five and 35 auto repair in dayton maine Showham Roadway Services in Berwick, Maine, CW Design in Buxton, Maine, Backwards Burner Services in Standish, Maine, and Brook Hill Classic Morgans in Dayton, Maine. Uh, thank you to Trent and Alex and uh, all your, for all your support. And uh, Trent actually Ubered me to the camper at one point because we could not have been parked farther away. And uh, I spent a good chunk of the day selling a lot of merchandise because um, we got back to the well, I got back to the camper on Friday. 
and uh, I went to bed pretty quick. Uh, I ended up hanging out with uh, with Swanboat and, and a whole bunch of people over there. And uh, then when I woke up the next morning, I, I went through there, our merchandise box. And um, I alluded to last week's show, maybe it was two weeks ago now, that we had a ton of medium t-shirts. And like we, we're not going to give them away because we literally paid for them, but... You know, we do, we, it seems like, you know, whenever we order t-shirts, like, oh, we'll take 10 medium, 10 large, 10 extra, whatever. And then we end up with 10 medium left, zero of everything else, maybe a couple larges here and there. So we get back or I get back, I start going through the merchandise box and we have legitimately zero medium t-shirts. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. And like, I'm pretty dumb, but I also like am pretty on top of where our merchandise is and shit. So I'm like that. Okay. Well, I didn't leave any mediums home. We might have sold one or two mediums at the track, but I'm talking every shirt that we have, no mediums. I'm like, what the fuck? That doesn't make any sense. Like, somehow, some way, some of these mediums are missing. So I go to Amanda and I'm like, hey, do you do you know what happened to like the mediums? Like, she was there all out on weekend. I'm like, do, any idea like what happened to medium t-shirts? Like, I probably sold at most two of them. And she's like, I do vaguely remember hearing someone being like, oh, we just got a bunch of mediums, and like they were just kind of hanging out with all of us though. And I'm like, did they go into the camper? And she's like, well, there was people that were going in and out of the camper. So I would assume so. And I'm like, well, shit, like someone stole a bunch of medium t-shirts. Like we did not sell 10 medium t-shirts. I would bet my left nut that's all the way over because that's a tumor. But still. Yeah, so if you took all our medium uh, shirts, just pay for them or bring them back would be sweet yeah like even like bring back half of them and then pay for the rest you know or like just since you're one person or two people or uh, organization maybe just <clears> you and know. if you are wearing one and we find you we're probably going to shake you down until you uh prove to us where you got it from exactly yeah we're going to need but we're not going to do that your but. mother's maiden name your driver's license your passport if they you don't have a passport then you're automatically guilty um, but yeah, yeah, the name of your first pet, the, the street you grew up on, the, the <laughs> last the, four year social, the primary school that you went to your and what, what hospital name. you were born in. Yeah. So we're going to need all that information. If anyone that's wearing a medium t-shirt, if you're wearing a medium, get a new one. You don't have to do that. I was just kidding. But yeah, someone stole some shit. That sucks. Yeah. That sucks. We paid for it. So, um, moving on my weapon of the week, my weapon of the week this week is, I don't know. I'm sure everyone has seen it now, or seen it now, but I was trying to find it, and I actually had a hard time trying to find it. But Couch Racer posted it on Twitter. It was a dirt late model race that was Tuesday or Wednesday between the 51, 51 of uh, McCarter and the 22 of Winger, I believe. Uh, I was just going off the t- uh, the scoring pylon, I guess. But so the 51's in the lead, right? The 22 catches him. 22 tries the top. Coming out of two, gets shoved off of the racetrack completely. Somehow saves it, gathers it back up, goes into three, tries the bottom. Gets door down on the bottom. All right, filters back in line, tries the top again, coming out of three or coming out of four. Gets shoved up into the fence. All right, tries it again. Uh, you know, tries the bottom, tries the top, tried everything. Was the faster car by far, but this 51 of McCarter was just absolutely dooring the shit out of him every single time that he tried to get next to him to the point where after they came off of two one time, he just doored the shit out of him, sent him off the racetrack again, and then the, the 22 ended up flipping. So my weapon of the week is the 51 of McCarter, and I don't know. I mean, it was so egregious. Like I, I thought that we posted it on BFP, but I just remember seeing it on Couch Racer and watching it and being like, oh, my God. Like, it was like textbooked egregious like if you looked up a synonym of egregious it would just be that video um, i definitely in the, i haven't looked at a thesaurus i can't even say the word you know 
Tyrannosaurus. <laughs> Tomatoes. Nope. It's not that. Tyrone? <clears throat> nope. It's not that. Um, speaking of weapons, I had a couple from uh, the dirt uh, sprint car world. I can't remember who it was, but somebody uh, drop kicked Robert Ballou while he was still strapped in his car after Ballou junked his shit. I, I'm trying to find it on Twitter, but I can't. And also, uh, there's a sweet, uh, the uh, Patreon questions reminded me of it, of a sick pit brawl at the World of Outlaws event at Port Royal between uh, Freddie Raymer and Danny Dietrich. Um, saw plenty of videos of, of that on the Twitter spaces as well. So shout out to all you weapons for wrecking each other in sprint cars and, and then fighting and creating great uh, Twitter videos. Yeah, and uh, speaking of the Patreon questions, we will uh, get to those right now. Alex Krakowski said, can the winner of the picks get an invite to the Gaggle Snap Group? Sure. I just, don't see why not. Just don't suck. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't see why not. Uh, Matt Gaines said, with all these cup-level tracks running events for lower classes, which cup-level track would you like to try with your current race car? Brad, you can pick whatever you want to race. A big block super modified at Richmond. Ooh. I feel like you could let it fucking eat. I think Bristol would be too fast. Like, I don't think it'd yeah. be fun to race, but I think Richmond is just big enough, wide enough, flat enough. They already race on on bigger tracks that are kind of similar anyway, so I think I think Richmond in a big block super would be pretty sick. Martinsville would suck because you'd have to slam on the brakes and and you don't have the ability to shift. So I, I don't think it'd be very fun. Uh, going off of i racing, I had the most fun racing a tour type modified at Dover. That was pretty, <laughs> pretty sick. Fuck, <laughs> fuck them kids. Swanboat and I had an absolute blast, and the winner got like ten bucks. We were just white knuckling it the and whole I time. And I sat there the entire time and watched on Discord. <laughs> yeah, no, that was great. We had like a it was a pay to play type of race, and I'm like, I don't, I've never, I, I don't play this actually like on purpose like i usually get into a race and get kicked like immediately and so it was fun like we just got in there and swanee and i were just leading the whole entire thing just pretty much from the jump and uh he ended up getting the win i was blocking for him a little bit for no reason he <laughs> the guy the guy behind him was not gonna get a run but him and i were swapping the lead which was pretty fun and uh then you know going through three and four i ended up wrecked and ended up finishing like eighth or something but uh no that was the most fun i had for sure uh in the virtual racing world <clears throat> Uh, I've always wanted, uh, just from a homer status, I've always wanted to race something at Loudon. I think that that would be sick. But, uh, like, far off and beyond world, I think Watkins Glen would be sick in something. Probably not my super modified. No, probably not. No, uh, the rights would be tough. A, I a think. Miata. <laughs> I don't know. I just I think... would absolutely flip going into the fucking bus stop. <laughs> it's just it's just like the super speedway of road courses, and I, I've done seven trillion laps around it on every video game ever created ever. So I think that that would be sick. Uh, Angel Waregi? Is that, is that how we're supposed no, to say it? No, it's not that. I think right. so. It's, uh, it's Angle Waregi. <laughs> <laughs> how egregious of a rule would have to be implemented by a racing sanctioning body to put a stop to the crew having massive brawls in the pits as elegantly displayed this weekend after the sprint car race? I mean, put, I'm sure they have rules in place for it, but... You put a you put a wrestling you, ring yeah, in the middle of the racetrack. <laughs> you're allowed to fight at the racetrack, but only in the ring and in front of the entire crowd. If you're caught fighting elsewhere, you're not allowed back. If, I love. If you that. could strictly like get it so it was one on one, like a hockey fight, and and be okay with it. it, it well, yeah. Be if, sick. But if, the problem if, is you get crews that jump in, and if the crew jumps in, they have to be tagged in. That's part of the ring. My my problem with the crews jumping in is that. And, and I have quite literally brought this up in people who have yelled at me before, and, and I have to go, what car were you driving? Like, the and, way you, the like, way you get, and Adam did it, the way you and Adam did it was perfect. Like, you both were on the racetrack, you got out, you slugged it out for 30 seconds to a minute or whatever, and then the officials came over and broke it up. Like, that, yeah. that's the way it should be. And, and we've had a beer since. Yeah. Not a big deal. 
That's how you do it. But yeah, like you said, when the crews get involved, you get crews from cars that weren't even involved. Yeah. People just, then you get some people that just want to fight, which is not ideal. Don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Fowler said, question for Brad and Bobby since Charlie watched a kangaroo humper sing. Favorite racing highlight from any race that happened this past weekend. <laughs> Didn't know that Keith Urban was into humping kangaroos. <laughs> Uh, Did he do that on stage? Wouldn't be shocked. Well, did he have a kangaroo up there? Well, <laughs> Poor no, thing. no, he didn't. I, uh, I only half listen most of the time, as everyone knows, and I was pretty hyped for the Toby Keith concert that I was going to. Barricinger, <laughs> <laughs> when this motherfucker comes out like, with an accent from significantly, always stand up and salute. It'll always. Recognize when we see old glorified, and then you get there's, there's a, a lot of men dead. See the so marquee says Keith be... Urban. <laughs> what a disappointment! Uh, it's a long yeah. hot summer. We should be together. <laughs> Shut Red the fuck up. up. Uh, no, yeah. So uh, it wasn't Toby Keith. It was a uh, Herb Keithen. I don't even know if that's a Keith Urban song. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it is. Let me look. Uh, up he sings Urban. in an American accent, but talks with an. They Australian all do. Accent. I don't understand it. All, all the 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 European folks and the uh, the, the the barbecue. I have legitimately. I have thing, uh, at least three thousand songs downloaded on my Take phone. Your I have cat and leave my sweater. I have two Keith Urban songs. Left Blue Angel Color and Long Hot Summer. Neither which are something that I would play in a group of people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, uh, certainly wasn't Toby Keith. Keith Urban uh, came on stage opened by uh, Ingrid Andreas. It, that one. Yeah, who has that heater of um, you get it. The, uh, the drinking song there. Uh, oh yeah, that one. Uh, the, with All the, of them. The chick who sings the drinking song. The, it's uh, you, you'd know it if you heard it. Taylor it's, Swift. Uh, nope. It's uh, <laughs> Reba wishful, wishful drinking. Baby, I'm just wishful drinking. And that is, uh, like, that is a pretty not bad song. Uh, no, it's a it's a pretty good. She has a couple of heaters actually. The, actually, the show Breaking was pretty more good. hearts than mine, even though it's kind of sad and disappointing. I like that song. Yeah, I've uh, I I had never uh, Bangord pavilioned. Uh, before I really don't bangor often, ever really. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Uh, <laughs> Banger. <laughs> hey, oh. <laughs> Hardly know her. Uh, no, I uh, don't really bangor often, uh, let alone for concerts uh, in Bangor. A lot of lot of drugs, lot of drugs. People. Uh, and, and when I say a lot of drugs, we're talking like toothpick looking people like hanging on other people's cars who are going to the Keith Urban concert who I assume they don't really hang out mm -hmm. all that often together mm -hmm. so uh, Bangor interesting place uh, nice facility uh, very good show Keith Urban uh, good showman he actually uh, was on the stage at one point came up into the middle of like the crowd in like the lawn area didn't get mauled somehow did like a whole set from the, the middle of it and then went back on stage and uh, was very impressed uh, going back to the question, since uh, we already kind of talked about uh, Star pretty extensively, I'll give my uh, favorite race racing highlight that I watched from this past weekend to Chris Pelkey at Thunder Road. I watched the uh, watched all of that whole deal. They they had uh, it rained super super hard. I didn't think they were gonna go racing, and then like an hour later, it was sunny. They had the track ride, and it seemed like every single person that planned on showing up to the race came back to the race and. Uh, Chris Pelkey had himself quite the night. They uh, they had a double points night, and I believe it paid double as well. And uh, he started pretty far in the back, just kind of worked his way. Uh, ended up making a couple passes on the top, but pretty much just catfished his way and uh, ended up 
obviously uh, securing the win and double points, double pay, and uh, I'll give my favorite racing highlight from this past weekend to him. One of the more exciting racing highlights I saw this weekend was Jeb Burton getting dog-fooded to <laughs> fuck at, at Pocono this weekend. Ended up on his roof. Yeah, yeah that, that did was, happen. Uh, that that was, was quite the wreck. That was a fuck of a wreck. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. shout out to Matt Seen, who ended up, I believe, sent uh, both of us Snapchats of the car upside down. I got a picture, I believe, of the car upside down with a BFP hat also involved. I, in I saw picture. the car upside down, and I was more confused. It was like, it's Pocono. And it was past and the yeah. flag stand. And then you're right. like, how did... What? That's like a that's like a that. quarter yeah. mile five lane wide road. And do you remember? Do you remember a couple of years ago when they they there's like three cars that spun out in the exact same area? I think Casey Kane was one. That was he absolutely fucking obliterated the inside wall and oh, like no. took out like a pit box and fucking helmets. Oh were yeah, fucking shit. Clint Boyer was involved. Yeah, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They had actually yeah. just they showed all those highlights during the coverage. Yeah, they were talking about how they like had to extend, extend the, the wall and people kept nuking it. I forgot all about that. There was pit road like helmets that ended up like home run deep to left center. <laughs> and yeah. people were like sitting going. on the wall too. I was yeah. like, you, you yeah, probably shouldn't <laughs> fucking do that. Running yeah. for their lives because yeah. no, they race cars coming at them over like a two foot concrete wall. Yeah, zero them. control. Uh, I would say my, my favorite one was uh, Denny Hamlin and Ross Chastain. Denny, uh, he, he, uh, he confirmed what he said he was going to do. He, uh, and it was all for nothing. Gave him a poke and, uh, well, more than poke, he drove him up into the fucking Just raced wall him hard and, and he ran out of racetrack. Yeah. Accurate. Yeah. Well, he he said he. It was very unlike Martin Truex, where he said, oh, "I might not win the war." And well, then, that's because well, Denny's not a bitch. And Denny, uh, Denny gave it right back to him. And the best part to me was Ross came out, and he's like, "Yeah, no, I, I deserve that." And he's like, yeah, mm. that, "Well, what that are you gonna sense. do?" I mean, he'd yeah. have literally been the most hated race car driver in the planet if he'd have got out and motherfucked Denny there. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it, he's he's, pretty, know, he's climbing up that ladder pretty quick. Anyway, if, if that were Ty Gibbs, though, it would have been fucking everybody else's fault right. somehow. So yeah. I respect it both. No, drivers. no, like, Jesus would have fucking also, taken. <laughs> apparently, the wheel. has anybody seen this yet? An hour ago, Denny Hamlin is uh, drinking his champagne with the trophy and posted it on yeah. Twitter. Yeah, I did see that. To- uh, posted a picture of his li- of his little girl. Um, that made my ovaries explode. By the way, yeah, yeah, of his little girl waving the checkered flag. He's like, yeah, good luck getting that back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Woody Pickett said, fuck, Mary kill. Just kidding. Love you guys. And then Alexander Fern and Reagan Parent asked two questions that we will not be addressing on this show. <laughs> Matt Seen said, what, uh, well, what's the one thing you can't leave home without for work? For me, it's Bluetooth earbuds. That would also be the same for me. If I don't have, <laughs> if I don't have my AirPods, I will leave work and I will come home and I will get my AirPods because yeah. it's been a ritual for, of mine for the last four years and I refuse to not listen to something. I have a set of work specific headphones that I leave right at work so that's not an issue but energy drink of some form protein bar and my phone like if obviously you gotta have your phone but. yeah I pretty much I wake up I but grab, I've left for work without my phone before and I'm like nope turn around go get it yeah yeah that's the same thing for me I, I, I wake up I grab a Celsius and I make sure I have my headphones and my badge to get in and then I just go to work cell phone wallet two sharpies I keep I keep I keep sharpies on the on the. I usually get if if I wake up early enough, which is almost never the case. I get Aroma Joe's. If I don't, I just grab a NOS out of the O'Reilly cooler next door. Sean Miner said, "You're running P1 on the last lap with a car on your bumper coming out of turn four. Would you rather the car behind you be Tyler Tomasi or Nick Anglis?" Well, if we're running P1 and the car behind me is P2, then first off, Tyler Tomasi's not even going to be there. So it's (laughs) and there and there are two cars left in the field. I would definitely say Tyler Tomasi because Nick Anglish would probably be like right on my bumper. I don't know. He tried to kill faster. Derek Griffith at Loud. Nick Anglish just was a- over aggressively racing one night. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we clowned on him pretty hard, but other than that, I don't really think Nick's that bad or that egregious. Me either. Yeah. Uh, Tyler, well, 
Well, he ran third at Seekonk on Saturday, so maybe he got maybe, DQ'd. Yeah, maybe he put the phone down. Hmm. Well, maybe. Uh, Tune into Seekonk on Wednesday to see if he can do it again. Kills anybody else. My money's on Angelo Belsito. Ryan Borges uh, winning, not <laughs> wrecking the. Uh, Ryan Borges said, "Most blatant cheating you've seen someone get away with." Well, it was a racetrack that used to be located in the town that we're currently in. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we were racing super late models, and you were only allowed to buy two brand new tires a night. And those two brand new tires that you must be ran in the heat race and the car next to me, I'm not going to mention any numbers, but it was in between 23 and 25. And it might have been green and black. Had mm. a, had sticker tires on for the feature. What do you mean? Didn't Weird. even scuff them. Nah. <laughs> I, uh... Very similar to that. A uh, couple instances. <laughs> we used to have a tire trailer uh, for the sport series. You had to bring your tires in, just like the Pro Stocks did, Bob. And uh, you were only allowed to bring six back a week. That was it. You had four hot tires and two bank tires. That was it. Well, I looked down in the deep, dark depths of the fucking trailer there, and there was one particular team. I'm not going to mention any names, but the number was between 76 and 78. <laughs> and it might have been black and pink in nature, but... Uh, there was like fucking 18 tires in there and all clearly marked with a 77 on them. Uh, not that it's, uh, <laughs> why, why would it say that? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it was LL. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> they, uh, they, I was like, well, that's, that's not right. And, uh, fast forward a few years to that. Uh, again, not going to name any names or numbers, or anything, but it might be between 19 and 21. Uh, the, we were, there was one week where you weren't allowed to buy tires cause the track was switching tires over. Uh, so you had to buy the new American racer tires that they were offering that week at the racetrack. Well, just a couple stalls down, this car rolls right out of the trail with four brand new ones right on it, already on it. I'm like, well, I thought we weren't supposed to get those yet, but, uh, you know, eh, that'll happen a big time. Model <clears throat> yeah. Is it cheating if they're allowed to do it? Uh, but I guess not. So maybe we, uh, maybe we didn't answer Borges' question there. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, John Ward said, "Not really a question, but really feel BFP needs to start doing short track pooper review." I don't poop at the racetrack, so I'm not. I'm not your guy for this. Uh, I only poop if I've eaten Nana's fucking tenders. So how was I, the porter shooter at Bartlett then? Actually, it was phenomenal. They're always very in, clean. Yeah, they were very clean. I walked in and I made it very unclean. So um, I'll give it a. As, uh, it would be probably in the eights. It was very clean. It was. It was nice and homey and. Uh, yeah, I would I would uh, 11 out of 10 go back. Probably to the other one, though, not the one that I used. Uh, Mitch Brown said, who's one cup driver that you would like to see run a tour-type modified that hasn't run one, run one previously? Easy for me to say. Me, personally, it would be Kyle Larson, which is a great answer. I uh, <clears throat> I kind of wanted to see Harvick drive one. He, him and Priest were working, and I think Harvick, <clears throat> Jesus Christ, tested one at Martinsville. And it seemed like he was gonna race one, but it didn't happen. I think that'd be cool. One, of, I want to see like an old school guy. Like obviously Larson would be cool, but it's like, okay, he's probably gonna win again. Like all the like the younger guys, same you know. But I want to see like or a Denny Hamlin or even a Kyle Busch, you know. Yeah, I feel like Kyle Busch would be very interesting to see in one. Has he never ran? I don't he think probably so. hasn't ran a modified yeah, before. I doubt it. Yeah, that'd be. Uh... Well, he he grew up racing like a pass mod type. Yeah, thing, it was but, like a yeah, yeah. Camaro mod. But... Yeah. Skinny tires. Yeah. Uh, give me, give me William Byron. I want to see what he can do in a modified. He can do everything and a- anything it seems like. So let's see what he can't do in a modified. Mm, yeah, one of the Kyles probably Larson or Bush, Kurt Bush because you never see him do stuff like that anymore. That'd be cool. Yeah, mm. Bert. Bert doesn't really branch out to other no. forms of automobile racing. No. 
Also, uh, speaking of Kyle Busch, the the contract negotiation deal. Have you followed along with that at all yet? No. Yeah, it I, like uh, he might be. Like I didn't realize 20. how much fucking money he made base salary. Um, well, he's a pretty fucking good race car driver. He is that indeed. Um, I think it was Jeff Gluck, maybe, or Pockris, or one of the one of those fellas there. Um, apparently, Kyle Busch's base contract is like twenty-seven million dollars. Um, Cheap which, enough. Which, for rate reference, like Brad Keselowski, like the year he won the championship or the year after he was only making like two before t-shirts. So, yeah, it seemed like I had their, uh, so it seems like he might be driving the 18 next year. Kyle Busch. Yeah. It'd be mm. foolish to let him go. It'd be yeah. very foolish to let him go. But right. <clears throat> it seemed like there's a pretty broken bond there. Uh, I don't know. Maybe 2311 comes up with a third team somehow. I don't know. Yeah, well, they already are going to need to do that because of Reddick. Are they going to do that or are I, they going to let somebody go, though? I'd be shocked yeah, if, if uh, Reddick is driving the A car next year, and I feel like that is going to be an open seat that Kyle Busch is not driving the 18. Kyle Busch is Kyle Kyle Kyle's not going to drive the 8, though. RCR, I don't There's no shot. No. I don't see that. Well, who the he, fuck else is he going to do? I feel like he needs. Richard, if if he, Joe Gibbs can't afford him, Joe, Richard Childress most certainly can't afford him. I feel like he needs something, needs a team that can can align with his truck program like that toyota the gibbs it works out for his trucks like i feel like he needs he needs some sort of manufacturer you know to jump on board with that and if he goes to children's i don't think chevy's trucks are gonna come I, with him, I think but. he's a yoda guy for life at this point or he damn near has to be i would believe but other than gibbs i don't know who really would be a right. other than 2311 but they're the gibbs they're yeah same thing and the, and they get such support from Gibbs anyway that I don't know if that has fractured that in any way either. But do we have a uh, do we have a pooper review? Nope. Oh no. Oh no. Chris no. didn't have to poop this weekend. No. 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 Uh, no puskis poke and no pooper review. Unfortunately. PPP. <sighs> First one in a long. time. I think time. he already did that one, didn't he? No. No. Where would he have done it? How would he have done it? I don't know. I haven't they already been. To Is this going to be like no. a one season thing or? or I don't know. For next Maybe. year, he's going to have to like go to different bathrooms at the same tracks. <laughs> he's going to have to go to like the local Walmart and just let us know. Yeah, there's there's no Puskis Pooper review this week, unfortunately. <sighs> well, good for his diet. Um, yeah, apparently he didn't have to shit, and that's getting, okay. He's getting healthier. <laughs> <laughs> Love to see that. <laughs> Self-help. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. how do we do in the picks, Bob? Charlie won picks this week. For Fuck once. yeah, finally. Uh, because my driver stepped on his dick, and then Brad's driver um, just drove right into the one car <laughs> after he bounced it off the fence. That yep. did happen. Yep. Uh, so yeah. Charlie kind of kind of got lucky because you were you were probably going to lose. Um, yeah, Blaney, Blaney was running third or third, fourth. Yeah. when he's just, And that was right when I got home. I literally turned, literally, that's for you, Woody. Nice. Turned on the TV to see the 12 car hang a hard left when everybody else was straighting. <laughs> yeah, he was all by his lonesome there, wasn't he? Yeah, sure was. That's what led to the segment on all the cars that used to whistle it down pit road and crash. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then this, the four car looked like he had a car capable of winning. He was up front and battling, and then um, the bush light apples were eliminated by a watermelon. Yeah. <laughs> yep, fruit on happen. fruit violence, it if you happen. may. <laughs> I'm just glad that I've gone, still gone all year without finishing last. Yeah, you still you beat me. <laughs> you beat me by six spots because uh, Kevin finished 27th, Blaney finished 33rd, Charlie had Martin Truex Jr. seventh place, and uh, so now in the points, Brad has 28, I have 44, Charlie has 46. Um, Denny Hamlin picked up the win like we alluded to, but was promptly disqualified as well as Kyle Busch. 
for uh, body modifications with tape and or vinyl that was hidden by the wrap and was not discovered until NASCAR peeled the wraps off. A five-inch by two-and-a-half-inch, 12 one-thousandths of an inch thick clear piece of vinyl was put on the right and left side underneath the brake ducts that they have underneath the wrap. Sneaky, sneaky. (laughs) The fact Um, that Gibbs isn't appealing, it tells you all you need to know. Yeah, I mean, can't do that. So. But that that's that should tell you how fucking stringent they're being on on what you can and cannot do because they it's literally a piece of tape that they had underneath it and said nope can't do that. So um, Chase Elliott wins the race. Unfortunately, that's a bummer. Kinda. Nope. And, uh, <laughs> I'm I'm starting to like Chase even more because he's the, the most humble fucking guy that like he gets out of the car and it's unbelievable. He's just like man I. I don't know. He's like, I, I didn't deserve to be here. And then he wins the race, and they're like, how are you going to get the trophy? He's like, I don't really care. He's like, on, on track, I didn't deserve to be in third, let alone win the race, so I don't really care about the trophy. It's like, he just goes about his business and is very good. He's easily the best driver in the Cup Series right now. He can't Hottest even say the Larson sure. is. No. And uh, he's he's rattled off, I think, it first, second, second, first, or something like that. I think he's gone in the top two the last five weeks, so that's pretty fucking nuts. Also, Ty Gibbs getting a like 12 hours notice he's going to drive a cup car and then after penalties was what 16th something like that I think so. so i think he finished 16th on the track as much as he's kind of a clown that's uh nothing to sneeze at i think nope yeah oh he's uh it's gonna be good one day yes. like, i'm not looking forward to it like really good like like the, the goodest <laughs> denny close. hamlin cleaning out ross chastain um i don't think it's over no i don't think no. that's the end of it i think denny denny just took the lane away from him bounced him up the track if Chastain had checked up a little bit more, maybe he could have avoided Denny, it. Then even said he's like, I've been wrecked four times. Twice was for the lead, and you know, this was just once. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, I guess I got the first pick, and they are at Indianapolis Motor Raceway, but it's a road course. No? Yeah. Yes. Is a road course. Are uh, they doing the square at some point? I don't still. Think, I think the square is dead. The square is dead. Um, for the time being. I uh, oof. I think I'm gonna go with Chase Briscoe. He should have won it last year, and this is kind of one of them outlier races, I guess. You know, wild card, if you may, and uh, still a lot of racing to be done this year. And I don't know if I want to dip back into the second batch of using the nine and the five and That's, the eighteen yeah, and the eleven. I'm, so. I'm trying to stay away from the the top guys, but yeah. So give me uh, give me old Brace Chisco. I haven't used them all at all this year. Give me the 16 of AJ Allmendinger. You were the last one to use him on a road course. I, I thought I used. I thought I used the two. No, I'm saying oh, like oh, Charlie and I used, so used, far, yeah, yeah. used him on a road course. I was gonna so. say I'd, I was gonna either pick the two or the two. So I assumed that this was coming, and I knew yeah. I I probably could pick him, but I got burned by. Keep one last year. I'll uh, I'll take Austin Cindric. Yep, that was pretty much the three drivers I had it boiled down to. Yep. Mm-hmm. What are we doing this week, boys? I know we got Bartlett again on Friday. Uh, a, rare, a rare two week in a row stint for the old Bartlett Bridge Raceway. Bartlett's Friday. What's this weekend? I'm Bartletting. Isn't there, and then isn't there a pass race at Oxford? Uh, there's not a pass race at Oxford. They have the 100 lap, uh, I believe it's. Triple Crown Series yeah, race tri- number two. Yes. 100 lap, Triple Crown. Race number uh, one was this past weekend. Trevor Sanborn picked up the win. Yeah, it's a 250 qualifier, 100 lap race. Put it. Uh, I think it's put on by Port City. Um, yes, it is. And uh, I will be there. I'll be slinging beers in the beer garden with Meg. So I'll be at Oxford. Be at Bartlett and then Oxford, and then probably not doing a whole lot of stuff on Sunday because uh, I frankly can't afford it. 
Yeah, I'm getting kind of burned out by life in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so Sunday's going to be a relaxing day. But Saturday for me, Wiscast at Speedway, our annual stop with the 350 Smack Super Modified. It's kind of a home race for me, even though it takes me longer to get to Wiscasset than it does to Star. Every time we go there, they roll out the red carpet for us, treat us like Formula One drivers, and I'm literally the only one any of those people have heard of other than Ben Tinker now that he races too. We're kind of like the two hometown heroes. So you can catch the two top two finishers from this past weekend, Star 350 race at Wiscasset. On uh, on Saturday, five dollar admission like always. I think he'd start at five. Um, I know I've been talking with Ken Minot a little bit back and forth. They're pretty excited to have us. We're pretty excited to get up there. Uh, weather looks good so far. Normally, it seems like every time we go there, it rains, but not this year. Uh-huh. Lee's also got there. I believe I believe it's kind of a weekly show. They yeah, got- Twin Forty for the Pro Stonks. Yep. Um, the second of the Twin Forty events at Lee on Saturday, a rare Saturday event. Um, for Lee, but. They'll be there. And get out. Uh, if you're not doing anything on Sunday, get out to Hudson Speedway because I believe that they're going to be in action again. They uh, they heated out this past weekend, uh, which does make a lot of sense because it was fucking hot. certainly wasn't uh, cold. Yeah. So get out and support a local short track of some sort this weekend. Charlie, you doing any race car things over the weekend next weekend? Uh, well, the uh, the plan is to run the, uh, the Limited at Oxford 250 weekend, which is going to be Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We're coming up on about a month away from that, and it's still in the trailer from last time. So if I were smart, I'd probably swap those around and start tweaking on that, polishing some turds so that we uh, we have a shot at it. I think we have a decent car, and uh, – we we're uh, we just got frustrated there and uh, just needed a minute to uh, regroup. So uh, seems like that's the general consensus in the racing world. This, the hot temperatures, like I've always joked, like if I owned a racetrack, they would there would be no racing in the month of July. <laughs> take the month off. We're just gonna have monster trucks and concerts and take the month off. Fix your car. Come back in August because I I mean just and I had a good weekend at the racetrack, but it's just so fucking hot and and you start it starts to become Groundhog's Day. You know you're doing this every single weekend since April and. You know, my one weekend off that I had, we went racing at Stafford for two days. So I really don't even feel like I had an off week. I raced the next six or seven weekends in a row. You know, there's no end in sight. So, yeah, it is. Uh, if you are enjoy your time off, I guess that is one thing I, I I've always I've never really cared for weekly points racing. I, it's always just. It's always in the back of your mind. It's always just nipping at you, and you know you're always doing math, and you know I got to start around this person, and you know, I got to do so good in the heat, and this, that, the other thing, and it's just not fun. I like uh, I like showing up and trophy hunting, I guess. But uh, even though we haven't been very good at it lately, but that is uh, that is the goal for uh, the 250. We got three shots at it, and I think we're uh, we have a decent piece. So yeah, I think that's it for the uh, beginning portion of the show, and uh, we got yeah, a pretty yeah. big guest. There was a second half. Huh? Full disclosure, I was late and didn't make it. <laughs> Missed out on the old second half of the show. Uh, it is going to be a good one. Uh, certainly one of uh, the more probably high-profile people we've talked to. Uh, very good interview. Very cool person to talk to. Uh, just another one of the boys, really. Uh, just uh, took a different route in life where while uh, we were off in college drinking and doing whatever, he was going to college but also building uh, what was a go-kart team into a NASCAR Xfinity Series team, which is knocking on the door uh, to be in the playoffs this year. So uh, cool little story, cool uh, cool day-to-day that he has there. And, well, we'll just get right to it. This has been episode 177. Max McLaughlin. Sally Girardi. Is that who you were talking about earlier? Max McLaughlin. No, there were two L's, Bob. Uh, what did you say? Just Max McLaughlin. Max McLaughlin. <clears throat> I'm out. Uh, what else did Woody say? 
I guess Marty Robbins was a seven. Marty, uh, seven, uh, seven, seven. You seven. just said Marty. Uh, Ryan Newman and drove. Marty, the, uh, yeah. Ryan Newman drove a seventy-seven car. modified. Uh, Dave Blaney drove a seventy-seven Cup car. Oh, it was yeah, the Nesquik car. Jasper. No, it looked like that. It was blue and yellow, but it was oh, Jasper. Oh, it was ten, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, seventy-seven, seventy-seven. Yeah, I'm out. Cool number. I like seventy-seven. Nick 70. Reno. Nick Reno has oh, a whole yeah, pile yeah, of seventy-seven. Yeah. So he's like, like one in every division at Wiscasset, I think. Yeah, looking around. Every time we did this, I always look around because we have. There's a seventy-seven act car, but I can't tell you what it is. Oh, that's fucking Scruffy Lenardi. Oh, yeah. Perfect. That's what the KM name. Hot Dog 77. <laughs> He's a fan favorite. What a name. Jimmy Scruffy Lenardi. How could I'm surprised I didn't think of that. We yeah. got to make we got to make like a uh, a bracket of like just best drivers names that we can come up with in the local area and just mm. see what happens. Scruffy Lenardi and he's yeah. sponsored by KM Hot Dogs. Yeah. yeah, that's a the old glizzy gobbler. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh the right. throat missile fucking <laughs> 77. 77. <laughs> All right. This interview is brought to you by the Racing Guys and the Racers Honoring Racers 100 coming up on Friday, August 12th at the Claremont Motorsports Park. $15,000 to the winner of this modified event. The largest purse in the history of the Claremont Motorsports Park. A lot of friends of the program on the entry list. A lot of modified ringers. You got the 06 of Sam Ramo, the 3 of Matty Galco, the 6 of Woody Pitcat, the 20 of Max Zackham. Everyone knows Brian Roby around those that neck of the woods, the uh, short track superstar. You obviously got the 50 of Carl Medeiros, one of our good pals, the 60 of Matt Hirschman. Everyone knows Matt Hirschman, one of the most underrated short track drivers in the country, in my opinion. Uh, be sure to be at Claremont Motorsports Park Friday, August 12th to catch all those guys and many, many more in action for 15 thousand dollars if you've never been to claremont before there's no better time to check it out if you have been to claremont there's no better time to go than uh, to watch modified aces try to chase fifteen thousand dollars in the racers honoring racers 100 thank you again to the racing guys and here's brandon brown all right boys and girls so as we just alluded to uh on the other end of this phone call here definitely one of our uh more more high profile interviews if you will you uh you see him on Saturdays on your TV, not necessarily at your local track, but uh, this is going to be the driver of the number 68 Xfinity car, Brandon Brown. What's going on, man? Hey, not much. What's going on? Oh, not too much. Uh, we're, we're excited to have you on here. We know that you're a busy fella. Uh, got your own uh, your own team. We're doing all sorts of good stuff here, so uh, we appreciate your time. And, uh, you know, obviously we know who you are. We're, we're big racing fans. We're big NASCAR guys, and uh, we follow lots of lots of, all things motorsports, I should say, so uh, maybe for those that uh, aren't super familiar with watching TV and, and all the cool stuff that you're doing, you know, who, who the hell is Brandon Brown? Yeah, no, um, just the, uh, I guess the no name 28 year old from, from Northern Virginia trying to, trying to make it in NASCAR. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. So, uh, uh, being, being that, I guess, uh, where does this all start? What, where does, uh, where does the love for, uh, for motorsports begin? Yeah. So, um, I, I really kind of dove into racing uh, head first at uh, nine years old. I mean, I had watched racing before with my dad and stuff on TV when it came to NASCAR and, and cheering people on. But uh, where I actually got to like dip my toes in the water and really fall in love with it was when we went to a go-kart track in King George, Virginia. And, uh, you know, we watched the races and I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. So, I was like, I have to do this. I have to, no matter what, like I want to do. And, 
you know, dad, of course, was looking at me like, you sure, man? Like, you know, this stuff, it's kind of expensive. Go-karts aren't cheap. And, uh, you know, like baseball way cheaper. Like we can get, we can get two bats, like no worries. But, uh, I was like, no, no, I have to, I have to do racing. So, uh, that's kind of where I, I started it out. And, uh, I, I started out in like one of the worst carts ever. Like it was just slow and heavy and underpowered and i was like first raced out went like a bunch of laps down and was like crying when i pulled off the track because i was like this thing sucks like i hate that and uh yeah but it was still something that i think it was that moment that dad was like okay yeah he's actually really passionate about this stuff it's not like um i tried sticking ball sports growing up a lot of baseball basketball soccer um played a lot just to kind of like play after school with friends and things, but, um, never really like had that love for, for those sports. Like I really enjoy watching them. I think they're a lot of fun to watch, but you know, I, I just didn't latch into it. So I'd play for like a year, two years, three years, and then be like, ah, oh, well that was cool. And mom would be like, all right, do you want to sign up for, you know, baseball camp? And I was like, eh, nah, like, no, thank you. Um, so the racing thing really, you know, I, I really latched onto it. And, uh, that I guess technically when I was nine is when you could say Brandonville Motorsports started. Cause, uh, it was dad and I in a go-kart traveling around, uh, racing different dirt tracks up and down the East coast. So how, do, how does that progression work up into, uh, obviously racing in one of the top three series, you know, a lot of kids starting go-karts end up in like a legend car, end up in, you know, a street stock and then a late model. And then, you know, eventually maybe if you're lucky enough, a K and N car or an Arca car, um, how does that, how does that progression, you know, end up working out for Brandon Brown? Yeah. So, uh, my progression was like hop, skip and a jump. Um, we, instead of really following the ring ladder, like we were supposed to, like, you know, you're supposed to drive a go-kart, get your feet wet, and then move into a bandolero, which is, I guess, like the first full-body kind of thing that you're in. Um, but they still have, like, the same motors, like, that we ran in go-karts, and you run at Charlotte Speedway or at the um, summer heats. And, you know, it's kind of like that's where you're supposed to get your first taste of it. And then, like you said, move maybe into a street stock or – uh, mini stock or limited or sportsman, whatever. And then into a late model. Well, I went from the go-kart to a late model stock car, which is like complete opposites on how to drive. Cause you know, go-karts very touchy. There's no suspension. Uh, you know, you still get good speed, but it's not like a stock car. So going from that to a, you know, 3,500 pound V8 stock car was, was quite the, uh, quite the change up for me um definitely learned that like I, like as in a go-kart you can like you can beat the crap out of somebody in a go-kart you can just constantly like nose people into the corners like nobody cares like it's a go-kart but like late models it was like you jump on somebody's butt and like you know ran with the nose well now you're replacing the nose like you probably bent some you know some of the front end bars you probably might have hurt your radiator so it's kind of a wake up call and people in late models get really mad when you use your nose cone. So <laughs> those like first hard lessons was like, I bumped somebody didn't feel like I bumped them that hard, and, but they went around. So they were just like not happy. And I was just looking at them like, Hey, can't hit me. I'm 
16. Like, <laughs> I'm not to hit yet. So you're just going to have to say really mean things, I guess. Um, <laughs> so when I, when I transitioned into late models, we started at Old Dominion Speedway, which is now an apartment complex in Northern Virginia, um, sadly. But we raced all our late model all over Virginia, doing tracks like Motor Mile, South Boston, uh, Martinsville Speedway for the big race that they do every year. We ran Southern National Motorsports Park in North Carolina. Um, and kind of that was like our, our traveling with a late model. So, again, it was just one of those things where I was still in love with it. Um, but that was like the time of, you know, 16 in high school. You know, you see all your friends going out and doing fun stuff, hanging out, going to parties and everything. And you're like, dang, like <laughs> – uh, everybody, you know, Hey, Brandon, you want to go out? Like, can't, I have to race tomorrow. Like, you know, but it was something where it was all right. Cause I loved racing so much that, you know, it, it didn't matter as much to, to miss a lot of those things, but it did, uh, kind of sting a little bit, like getting to see all your friends go out because they're posting on social media all the time. And you're like, well, that, you know, FOMO kicks in, I guess. But, uh, no, um, and then from late models, we, uh, we, we started our search in for, uh, K and N cars because we knew that was the step. And, you know, we had talked to people about, you know, we were flirting with the idea of possibly running a, a Hooters pro cup car for late model. Um, and then we bagged the Hooters pro cup idea, went full late model. And then when we started looking into the K and N cars, that was where they, um, you know, when we talked to people from NASCAR, it was like, that's the next step that you're supposed to take because then you get acclimated to some of the NASCAR tracks, but you still run a lot of the, uh, local tracks. So something that you're used to, but also a taste of tracks that are a little bigger, um, to get licensed. And, uh, we were like, all right, sounds good. So we went to the Mooresville, North Carolina, the heart of motorsports and started shopping around. And we, all the K&N cars we looked at, we were like, dang, like these are incredibly expensive, like way more than we thought they would be. Uh, Cause then like for, you know, kind of for giggles, we were like, well, let's see what a truck would be. And luckily, not luckily. I mean, it sucks that a team was going out, but uh, one of the truck teams was going out. So they were, selling out all their stuff it was a team called eddie sharp racing they had an old khi truck there uh old silverado body on it so it wasn't updated we didn't really know that it wasn't all up to date because you know i mean we knew it looked different but it wasn't what we needed uh and it had an sb2 in it so it didn't have the big ro7 but we were like yep that's the that's the step we're going to take you get way more of a purse you get way more tv time you know, the, you're, you're there, you're with NASCAR, but we, what we didn't think about was like everything else that goes into it. Cause, uh, to get the TV time and the purse, you got to run competitive. <laughs> and, uh, it's safe to say in my first start, I was not, uh, overly competitive. Um, and that, that was just cause we, uh, when we put it all together, we took our family team, uh, family members up to Iowa, and um when we tried to make our start we uh we tried to do it family pit crew and 
they quickly learned why all those pit guys are so like jacked and in shape and everything. Cause they were like huffing and puffing, dropping tires, dropping wrenches, like bad news bears. Like I think they're struggling to lift gas cans on their shoulders. Like it was not good. Like everybody else is like, you know, 15, 16, 17 second pit stops. And we're like, if we can get in under a minute, we're doing pretty good. So not good. Like, you know, we, we, we made ourselves look pretty bad there, but we made our first start. Uh, we like went again, a bunch of laps down, and, but we got, you know, but we raced in the truck series. So we were like, dang, like, I can't believe we finally did that. <laughs> so, so was that always the, <clears throat> was that always the end goal to try and get into the top three or was that just something that you just kind of found yourself in that natural progression of like, Oh, oh shit, we're, we're actually making this happen. Yeah, well, it is a little bit of both. Like, of course, that's the dream, right? Like, the dream is there on Sundays and, you know, show up and race and, you know, do really good. And one of the big team owners was going to come in like, hey, I really like this kid. He's got what it takes. But uh, for whatever reason, that hasn't happened yet. I'm still, you know, my phone, I'm, I still got my phone on loud just in case, you know, anybody, any of those big tough guys are like, yeah, Brandon Brown, you got what it takes. But, um, no, we, we, uh, it was kind of the natural progression of like, what's next? Like, what's the next step? Like what funding do we have? What, what would it allow us? Would it, would it progress Brandon Brown in, in a driver's career? And uh, the, the truck series made the most sense for us at the time because we, it was, we thought we had a pretty good budget for it. Uh, we quickly learned that our budget was like way small and their budgets are way large. So um it was a it was a it was a tough learning curve for sure, but it was definitely one that needed to be made. And uh, all while I was trying to do uh, the truck series, I was also trying to balance the school side. I was I was just getting ready to start at Coastal Carolina University. Um, I was finishing up my time at Northern Virginia Community College, and uh, yeah, it was it was a really tough balance between both. But I was bound to bound and determined to get it done so that was something i wanted to bring up too you, you actually have your your degree in communications correct yeah so, so was that something that you uh that you were trying to get to uh maybe help yourself in, in the motorsports world or or what was the reasoning behind that so um the truth behind the communication degree uh yeah i i started out at community college like not really knowing what i wanted to do for for college because when I graduated high school, I thought like, hey, yeah, big time race car driver. That's all I want to be. And, you know, dad's deal was like, hey, I'll pay for the like the racing and stuff, but you got to go to school. And I was like, oh, but we're just going to be a big time race car driver. It'll get picked up. It'll be no worries. Big dog, like, you know, fist bump. We're good. And uh, he quickly was like, well, if you're not going to school, then you have to work for me. And I thought like, oh, yeah, no problem. Like Brandonville Foundation's like. No problem. Like, what do you want to do, man? You want me to run coffee, like work in the office? You know, you need me to play on PowerPoint and Excel for you. And like quickly learned uh, that was not the case. Like he was like, yep, you're working. Me. See you Monday. Uh, I was like, cool. And so he woke me up at like 5 a.m. It was like, I'll drive you to work for your, like, for your first day. And I was like, you have like for myself i was like dad you have never left for work this early like i 
Like I, I usually passed your truck when I was leaving to go to high school. Like class started at seven thirty. <laughs> like your truck was still parked. What's going on here? Like, and uh, yeah, he took me and dropped me off at a job site and like gave me a pair of really cheap work gloves and was like, "All right, man, see you at five. And yeah, I started my my short lived career building a retaining wall uh, for Brandyville Foundations, and I. It was it was in that moment of like, you know, after a couple months of doing it and sitting in the back of like this F five fifty dually work body truck that I was like, yeah, you know, the college thing doesn't seem like such a bad idea. You know, <laughs> I think that sounds way more comfortable. Um, <laughs> so that's when you know I really got into gear. Went to college and showed up, and they're like, so what do you want to major in? And I was like, uh, I don't know, like people complain around me all the time listening to complaints like why not like be a psych major you know i can i can listen to people's problems be like yeah no i really think that you should give your parents another chance like i don't know i don't know what they (laughs) Uh, i was like yeah that sounds like a good major and i so i tried it for a little bit and kind of learned like if you don't go through like you can get your bachelor's degree in it but then like what am i going to do with that because my goal was to get a, a bachelor's and then completely focus on racing. So learning that that degree needed a lot of postgraduate degrees, I was like, mm, I don't think anybody's going to be calling me Dr. Brown. So uh, let's find something else. And then marketing seemed like the fit for me. And it was around that time that I actually transferred to Coastal. Uh, well, right be- right after this, like I, I, I switched to the business uh, marketing major, um, took the courses at the community college was, was finally starting to get into like the meat and potatoes of the course, uh, of the, of the major. And I transferred to coastal. And when I transferred to coastal, they were like, okay, you know, we can accept this, this, and this for your credits, but basically I'm starting over. And I was like, Ooh, that sucks. I don't like that, especially because they were like, yeah, you're going to have to take math again. And I was like, I hate math. I'm terrible at math. I wish I was way better at it. Like letters, that's fine. I can understand those. The numbers, eh." and then you put the numbers and letters together and you really lost me. But uh, they they were like, well, if you want to be a a business marketing major, you got to have, you know, business calc, business statistics, like all this other, I was like, Ooh, you know, I already took that in my community college guys. Like, I don't need that. Like, it's all good. We like, I've already passed all that. You can just throw me in the core class, like in the, the main classes. And they were like, well, you know what? We can credit you with them, but take the math aptitude test. You pass it, you know, you're fine. And so of course I was like, yeah, I don't need to take the aptitude test. Like, it's fine. Like you see the credits are there. It's fine. Um, they're like, yeah, just take the absolute test, show us, you know it, and, and we'll just let it go. You don't have to take the courses. I was like, cool. Sat down for the test, looked right at the problems and was like, yep, sign me up for those math courses. See you guys. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, that was incredibly embarrassing. <laughs> I, I think I went through the exact same thing. I remember the first time I brought home an algebra problem to my parents and like sat down at the kitchen table. Like, Do you need help? I was like, I need 
way more help than you can give me. But yeah, uh, start with these problems. They they just put the letters in my math equations. And I used to be really good at this. And they're like, yeah, we don't know how to do that either. And I was like, all right, so I don't need it. Perfect. And then I failed pre-algebra four times. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, so like, swear to God, when I went to school, I actually think I would change my major as well because of a math class that I could not take. I took statistics once. And then every time I transferred schools, I was like, you better take this credit or I'm not coming to your school. And they're like, all right, yeah, we'll take it. That's fine. Pass with a C minus. And uh, you know what they say, C's get degrees. Yeah, that's all that matters. <clears throat> I, I, uh, I got, when I got my bachelor's in Ohio, I had to do very similar thing. I had to do statistics and quantitative methods. And uh, luckily for me, I sat next to two girls from Sweden who that's like fourth grade math to them. And they're like, we'll just do it for you. I was like, oh, thank God. I was like there. <laughs> I was their charity case and it was, uh, it was very nice. So I, uh, I got to pass those classes with flying colors. <laughs> yeah. My hand yeah, no. changed for that whole class too. It was weird. <laughs> yeah. When I thought, like, I, I started looking at all the majors and kind of what aligned closest to marketing. I'm like, well, you can do communications. It's, it's pretty close to the same thing just without the math. And I was like, well, yeah, yeah, that's, that's perfect. <laughs> that's, that's my favorite. I just have to do the talking part. And like, it, of course, communications, I learned it was more than just that. But um, now I, so I signed up for communications so that I didn't have to do the math because I struggled through it, got a tutor while I was at Coastal, uh, did not pass the class. Uh, so I was like, yep, yeah, communications it is. Um, and it turned out actually to work out way better for me. Uh, learning, you know, how a lot of the media works and how uh, you can apply different, you know, it was a lot more applicable from those courses to what I'm doing than I thought it would. Um, because a lot of the marketing classes that I was taking, I was like, I'm just learning the big terms. And I, I don't think anybody really talks like that unless you're on LinkedIn. So, um, no, signed up for communications, minored in marketing. So I still got that those marketing classes in without having to get the math, got the piece of paper that says, you know, marketing. And uh, I wish more like potential sponsors would believe me with that piece of paper, but still working on that. I, I guess I got to sell it better, but um, <laughs> that, that you know, so uh, doesn't always mean anything to some people. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's uh, it looks cool on the wall. Actually, I don't even have it on the wall right now. Like, we, when we moved our race shops from uh, Virginia to North Carolina, um, I moved all my stuff down here and like it's sitting, it's nice and it's in a frame and everything. My, my mom had it framed for me for my graduation present and was like, here you go. It looks great. And like, I feel so bad because it's just moved from like the floor of my apartment to the floor of like, like the floor of the, of the office now, like just haven't hung it up yet. And uh, I probably should, but you know. Who knows? It might move again. <laughs> I think mine is in the, the coat closet upstairs, buried in a box. So that's all right. Yeah. The, the um, memory box, random accomplishments. Like, I think I have like a, a baseball trophy in there and like maybe a, an old go karting trophy. But now I should just put the college degree in there. Like, you did it. You got the trophy and it goes in a clear box at the bottom of the closet that nobody ever sees. You, you got a you got a three dollar trophy and a, a hundred and fifty thousand dollar piece of paper. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, it's a so, dollar paper. <laughs> so so speaking of your uh, your time in college there, um, crossing back over to your your racing deal, you actually had Coastal Carolina on the side of your car, right? How how'd you how'd you pull that one off? 
Yeah. So, um, at my time at Coastal, uh, while I was struggling my way through all these courses, um, we were also struggling our way through the racetracks. Uh, and we had, uh, we had finally gotten some mile and a half trucks and we were starting to try and do like a six to eight race scheduled, like do whatever we could to get licensed to run. Uh, cause I mean, as most people know, or I guess not most people, but as some people know, with NASCAR, you, when you join like the truck series, you have to start out at short tracks and then they'll graduate you to like a mile track and then to the mile and a half and then speedway, super speedway. Uh, they, they won't, unfortunately they won't just let you just jump out at Daytona and be like, good luck, you know, cause I guess that rate of speed, somebody could get hurt or something. That's probably one rule I, I'm probably okay with that. You can't I, just let Joe Schmuckatelli run at Daytona. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's probably something that was put in place for a purpose. Like, <laughs> I, I, I'm guessing, but yeah, when we were uh, running the eight races, we uh, I took a picture at we were in Atlanta, and uh, I took a picture next to the truck. We ran very mediocre that day, uh, but I was wearing like my coastal hat, and I put the you know the shots up sign, and uh, the VP of communications at Coastal at the time. Uh, Bill Plate was like, hey, like, what is that? Like, what what are you doing? And uh, kind of filled him in like, oh, hey, I'm, I'm sort of a part-time driver in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. Uh, and they were like, what? <laughs> like, you go here? And I was like, yeah, I, I guess. Like, still <laughs> fishing. <laughs> so um, they were like, well, we need to talk to you about this. And I was like, oh, boy, here comes the trouble. Like, you can't represent coastal like that. We're not, you're not a paid partner or something like that's, that was like one of the million thoughts running through my mind. Uh, but I went in like full boat, like, like kind of like people saw in that, uh, clip on social media, the for sale video, like I'm bringing the deal to you. Like that guy with like the suit and everything. Like I put on my best suit and I printed out my little marketing packet that I had made on PowerPoint that, looking back at it now, like it's all actually, that's also in my memory box. Um, a very crappy marketing deck that I recommend no one go off of, but, uh, I brought it with me anyways. Cause at the time I thought it was the bee's knees, but not. um, I went into the office and I sat down with them and, uh, like, I remember being so nervous, like about everything that was going to happen. I was freaking out. Like, what am I going to say? Am I get tongue tied? I looked down. I'm like, I forgot a belt. Like how professional is this? Like, <laughs> oh, like not good. Uh, so I went into their office and uh, he was kind of asking me like, what do you do? I let him know. They, he's like, so you're a student here. And I was like, yeah, still a student here for the email. Um, and like, what's going on i thought i was getting in trouble and he was like no we want to learn more about this like is there a way that coastal can be involved and that's when i was like you know felt cool like brought out my little handy dandy packet like you know i've got the deal for you pow and he looked it over and was like oh this is all okay uh decent information but what what how do we get involved and i was like wait it's all there so i actually had to stand up and do like a, a spiel and honestly i was so nervous doing it that I cannot remember a single thing I said, uh, but whatever I said, it worked. So um, it, it ended up where they were, you know, Coastal was excited and they wanted to be involved and they, they signed a 
a few race deal. Like uh, they did a, like a couple, like three or four races with us and uh, just wanted to put the Chanticleer on the side and promote being a student, promote the school. Uh, and it was kind of something where they were learning how marketing worked in NASCAR and so was I, but you know, fake it till you make it. So got to do, got to do what you got to do. And, and so we were both really learning at the same time, kind of the ins and outs and things that we could do together to really make a marketing partnership work and a sponsorship work. So it ended up being like one of the best things that that's ever happened to me and kind of a, a big jump starter of my racing career, uh, especially on the business marketing side of how everything works because nobody, there's no like how to like, there's no like, this is how you market and racing for dummies book. I wish there was, maybe that's the next million dollar idea. Somebody typed that up, but um, no, it was, that was like my Kickstarter as to like also getting a little bit of a recognition from the broadcast and from people in the garage. Cause they're like coastal Carolina. Like, is that in North Carolina? I'm like, no, South Carolina. They're like, where um, Conway, where Myrtle beach. Oh, so you just party. I'm like, no, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> well, considering it's Saturday and I'm right in front of you at a racetrack, I'm not going to be partying too much. No. Uh, yeah. So you, you, you dabble in the truck for a, a, a little bit there and, uh, before you know it, you're on Saturday. So how do, how do you go from the, the truck to the Xfinity deal? And, and it's still all in-house, right? It's still Brandon Built Motorsports. It's still uh, it's still your own deal. So how does that yeah. conversation come up? And what was the push to like, all right, let's do it? Yeah, so uh, it was all still in-house. It was We were still running the 86 truck and then into the 86 car. But uh, looking at my short-lived truck series career, um not a ton of success there but we did get a top five at daytona so like that was awesome but it was one that was like it was after that that we really started looking at okay what do we do you know what's the next step do we focus on trucks full time and, and try and run a full series full full season schedule do we start looking into xfinity what's the difference and we started weighing again the pros and cons of each series and you know how much tv time do you get what's the ad value worth you know what's easier to sell to a sponsor uh what are the prize purse differences and everything pointed to like nascar xfinity series so that's when we were like okay well let's you know let's let's toy around with the idea we kind of started asking around again within the industry of like what do you think and of course, everybody that had an Xfinity car for sale was like, yeah, do it. You can do it. Xfinity car. By the way, look what I have. Like, here you go. And we were we were shopping it around. And uh, when we first decided to try it, we talked to GMS, who was starting their Xfinity program for um, Spencer to race. And he was moving from trucks to Xfinity. And uh, they were firing up GMS fabrication. So... They were like, well, here, we can sell you a full turnkey program car and we'll even field it for you the first time. Like, you guys just trailer it there. So we were like, oh, sick, like, excellent, you know, because, you know, buying an Xfinity car versus just renting or running for someone else. Like, we were like, at least, you know, hey, if we do this, it'll be great. And if we fail, we have an even cooler paperweight to cry over other than, like, my college degree. Like, <laughs> You know, now I got a college degree and a race car. So um, we, uh, when we got it, we, 
you know, GMS set it up, pulled it down, brought it, like we brought it to Richmond and they, they came and, uh, fielded it for us. And, um, when we went out for first practice, I'll never forget that we were, we went out and it's the morning and it was cold and we went out and I was just super loose feeling like I was like, Oh my God, like, this thing is halfway undrivable. Like, and they're like, okay, you know, bring it into us. Let's make some adjustments. You said it's really loose. And I was like, yeah, sounds good. You're P eight on the board. And I was like, huh? Like, you know what? Cause I was never like an average top 10 speed truck. Like when I was in the truck series. So when I got to Xfinity, I thought we were going to fall back further, but lo and behold, those guys knew what they were doing. So <laughs> we had a pretty fast car. If only the, like, the only thing that needed adjusting the weekend was the piece that goes between the seat and the steering wheel. If he would have figured it out, you know, we probably would have had a little bit better of a weekend, but um, now that's when we made our jump into the Xfinity series. And again, went extremely part-time with it, just trying to get licensed again for all those tracks, had to run through the same ring. And then uh, at the same time, I'm also trying to finish my degree at Coastal and still trying to enjoy like the social life there and, and be involved on campus and, and make friends and whatever. <laughs> Cause uh, you know, it's like, it was like making up time that I missed through like growing up through grade school, high school, middle school, like all like growing up through schooling, missing a lot of the social stuff. I was like, well, we're going to make it up at coastal in four years. So, you know, let's get after it. But also we kind of have to work really hard at racing if you want to make it. So choose. <laughs> and obviously we chose racing, but. Now, now what, what was your first year in the Xfinity series? Cause I remember obviously you've been at it for a little while now, you're only 28 now, but you've also, you know, you were one of those guys that, you know, even before last year when you got your win at Talladega that you'd notice on, you know, any actual race fan that followed the Xfinity series religiously would be like, Oh, you know, like, you know, big name team, big name team, big name team. Oh, Brandon Brown finished, you know, six. Like, that's a really good run for him. And, you know, the average race fan would be excited about that and stuff like that. But, like, you know, when, when did you get your start? Like, kind of who were you competing against right out, off the jump? And, uh, you know, when when was the first time where you were like, damn, like, I belong to be here in the Xfinity Series? Yeah, so 2019 was our first full season. And we... uh it was it was a tough year um because like we were still competing against there were still a lot of cup organizations that were still heavily involved in the xfinity series they were just words like composite bodies and you know everything was changing and uh when we got in we were like trying to figure out like you know, when you go full time, it's way like you get treated way different than when you're just like a once in a while show up at the track. Like now the media is giving you some attention. Fans are starting to kind of engage with you and who you are. Like if you're not just like some like in and out kind of kid, it was, you know, fans were like, oh, OK, like, you know, Brandon Brown's here and he's competing. Um, and I, I'll like I'll never forget like the feeling when we were at uh, Fontana. And we were, we were at a autograph session and like they had all the drivers in like in a line, you just kind of picked a spot and teams usually like kind of sat together like their teammates would because they all socialize together, work together, whatever they were, they were all pretty acclimated. And I was kind of sitting there like, yep, 
you know, like, I guess I'm here. And they're all kind of like shoulders away. You know, like, oh, what's up, guys? Like, I have no idea how to talk to them because they, you know, we just lived in two very different worlds. Like, where, you know, I was a college student hanging out, partying, doing whatever, like whatever you do in college and studying a lot. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they grew up with a lot of the racing world and grew up together racing you know, all the same kids through bandos, legends, you know, street stocks, late models, all that canon. So they were all pretty familiar with each other. I was like the odd man out. And I'll never forget, like, when I was sitting there and it's, you know, fans are coming up and they're, oh, oh like, you know, Cole Custer, Tyler Reddick, uh, you know, would you please sign this? Like, oh, I'm a huge fan. Oh, like, Bubba, like, would you sign this? And then they get to me and they're like, oh, you too like who are you <laughs> like uh, i was like yeah i drive the 86 and they're like who's that i was like brandon brown does it right here on the hero card like not a target but um no it was it was like it was in that moment that i was like okay i really got to start making a name for myself and i thought i was doing pretty good for a while because it's like you know we would we would start getting some mentions and then I remember hearing an interview or like a, a, a race broadcast and uh, they were talking about me and they're like, you know, Brandon Brown running really strong. Like he's, he's really like, you know, having a good day for him and his family team. And, you know, what do you think Joey, like talking to Joey Logano and he was like, who, like, I don't know if he was caught off guard or uh, just really just had no idea who I was, which is probably the, the truth so he, he was just like who so i was like yeah we need to put who across the top of the door maybe then it'll be a lot more recognizable because everybody says that at the autograph sessions on tv like that this is who um but now uh 2019 we we really started like kind of chipping away run, trying to get better top 25s to top 20s and the occasional top 15 and you know, we wanted to creep towards the top 10 and do everything we could to build kind of a name. And, uh, man, I just remember it was so hard. Um, but it was, you know, worthwhile because then we got to 2020 and it was like, all right, you know, people started recognizing us. They started like, you know, racing hard around us because when we first started out, we were running around the 25th place position. So you'd see a lot more lower budget teams, family teams, uh, and like, for whatever reason, the family teams all race each other, like extremely hard when like, I was like, Hey guys, why don't we work together? It's like, no, let's all work against each other. Cause we all race each other so hard. We'd side draft, pull each other back. Like nobody's giving on like moves to be made, even if somebody's a little faster and you know, it was just really hard racing. So I was like, Oh, so this is what the Xfinity series is like it. There is no give here. Like, and it's not like it was, disrespectful is just a lot of no give so uh we all raced each other extremely hard so that i mean we like we uh ross chastain obviously drove extremely hard in the xfinity series and he was you know again making his own name trying to run up the ladder and uh you know i'm trying to race as hard like like he did but i'm also seeing there's a lot of backlash to how how hard like that driving can be because you know when you drive that hard you're pushing a car super like to its limits and a little bit beyond you can slip up and you can door some people or get into people and, and get into some arguments on pit road. So, uh, trying to find that balance, uh, was like the key of the 2019, 2020 season. Um, and then obviously COVID struck and it changed the game completely. 
like I actually ended up when when NASCAR first told us uh, in at Atlanta, we like were sitting in the lobby of the hotel room and got a text like to hold off on coming to the track. And I was like, uh, okay, I wonder what this is about. Maybe it's raining or lightning or something like whatever. Look outside. It's perfectly daylight. And I was like, okay. And then all of a sudden a pandemic hit. So they were like, yep, go home. <laughs> so, so other than uh, it being a weird weekend in Atlanta, uh, the first time out, what are, what are other ways that that whole deal uh, kind of struck down on you? Because I, I'm sure that that not only affected, obviously you're racing that weekend, but I'm sure, you know, money flow, you know, in and out was affected greatly too. Yeah. So I mean, when NASCAR told us like, Hey, you're not racing. Well, then the team's kind of like, well, we, we can build cars, but what for, you know, we build them to, to look at them, I guess. And so we actually ended up having to really slim down and kind of close for a little bit. And we didn't completely close. We, uh, you know, we still tried to keep all the employees going in some way, shape or form, whether it was working odd and end jobs for uh, Brandonville Foundations or uh, Clark Electric, Dominion, you know, trying to find a way to keep everybody kind of close. Uh, or we, you know, a few just had to go on unemployment for a little bit. I myself was ended up going back to work for Brandonville Foundations. And it's like the thing that I ran away from like I went to college uh started really picking up the racing career like okay you know that was a tough time in life and then it's like COVID came and I was right back into construction I was like (laughs) you know got sucked right back into it so (laughs) um did that for a little bit while I was uh kind of unemployed from NASCAR and then we started running like the iRacing deals sim racer um like one of the funniest stories was uh running i was running a texas truck like class c fixed race and i like was running up front but then fell back did a pit strategy like kind of was running around 14th waiting for a caution and then a caution came out like sick all right now we can start making our way to the front but we're pacing and some kid like jumps on and was like hey like is that the real brandon brown and I was like, I guess, like, he was like, the Xfinity driver, Brandon Brown. And I was like, yep, that's me. He's like, oh, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it felt like Xbox Live again. Like, you just want to yell at him, like, through the mic. I'm like, I, I hate this game. But <laughs> it was like, I ended up like, winning that race so like it's cool but no uh yeah apparently i suck at sim racing according to some like 12 year old or whatever it was so yes it goes from such hype to like oh man some like somebody has heard of me and just like uh, oh my god that's not <laughs> what i was expecting at yeah. all oh <laughs> cool, like somebody heard of me yeah yeah no problem yeah that's me i'm Xfinity series driver yeah no problem man. like it is fun to race against you so you suck i hate racing against you <laughs> <laughs> No, so no, you, no, you suck. No, you, yeah. you suck. No, you like. <laughs> so, so I mean that that's quite the roller coaster, though. I mean, going from literally almost nothing from go karts to a from a family that didn't really you know do motorsports to mm-hmm. you, know, you climb the ladder, you go through the trucks, you you're now in an Xfinity car, then boom, you're putting up walls again, and then you're. you're getting in arguments yeah. with 12 year olds on the internet and then you know 
shortly thereafter you're you're in victory lane at talladega super speedway so i mean that that's 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 quite a bit of an up and down and up and down and back up and then around the corner and all sorts of cool stuff so like what's the you know let's just get right to that that day in talladega obviously that that's got to be a life-changing event for you in, in more than one way obviously yeah like talladega was like in, like it was an enormous win for us obviously because it was our first win as a, my first win as a driver our first win as an organization like in a in the top three touring series like i proved that like i don't belong in construction racing on i racing yelling at kids or having them tell me i suck like i was like yes like no it was that day was just kind of like crazy because we it was a double header day it was trucks and then us um, we were at the time still sharing a shop with Tyler Young, who had the O2 truck, the 12 truck, the 20 truck, and uh, they were out racing first. So we were watching, kind of cheering them on. And I watched Tate Fogelman win the race, like during John Hunter Nemechek to the line and, and taking the win. I'm like, oh man, like that was dope. Like now it's our turn because I didn't want to like go back to the shop and be like the guy that didn't win, you know? <laughs> so, uh, now, um, when we, when we went out there, like, I remember that day too, like I took a Snapchat of like the trailer that was parked in the infield that had like a big Ricky Bobby sign that was like, if you ain't first, you're last. And I was like, well, yep, you heard it here first folks. Mm-hmm. And then ended up, we win. So like, everybody's like, Hey, I guess you called it. And I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> Ricky Bobby movie, the Talladega Nights. It made, you know, made high school hell. Cause like when I was like, when I was racing in high school, everybody's like, you do what? Like turn left, like, like they made fun of it. And I was like, no, racing's actually really cool. You have to be an athlete to do it. And then that movie came out and it made fun of everything I stood for. So I was like, Ugh. but no, I took a snapshot of that trailer. Um, and racing that day, I just remember just having like some really strong runs. And I was like, Oh, like we're fighting up top 10, top five. Like we got a real shot at this boys. And, uh, got some really strong runs last stage and uh you know normally where we would have kind of laid back and you know just kept pushing our line until the end of the race we got such a monster run that i just took it to the inside and the 31 went with us and shoved us just in front of brandon jones and then the caution came out and i assumed it was a pretty big one because they told us it's going to be a while and clean up I remember like just pacing around there and pacing around Talladega is like pacing around Pocono. Like you just have nothing but time to think and listen to your car. You're like, did it just sputter? Like you're staring at the fuel pressure gauge. Like what's going on? Like everything's good. Like shake the wheel. Like, okay. Like, uh, like, you know, we got to get ready to go back green. Like, what are we going to do? Like we're in the lead. We got, I got to figure out how to drive and lead. I can figure out how to block trail break, do whatever I got to do to keep people behind us so that they don't get a run and try and slingshot around us. But we paced for so long. It was getting so dark. And every time I look back on the race, like if I watch it on TV, TV makes it look way brighter than it was, but we were in the lead and, uh, they, they, you know, Doug was, asking on the radio like how is the visibility and i was like honestly it is terrible i'm not just saying that because i'm in the lead like it is terrible like i looked down the back stretch and the only reason i could see the safety truck was because of the big led lights on and uh they're like do you think you can go racing i was like well if all of us had the same color car as brandon jones probably like then we could at least see you know who's around us 
but uh, no, <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. And they're like, all right, well, when you go by the flag stand, you got to give a thumbs up or thumbs down, thumbs up. If you think you can keep racing thumbs down, if it's too dark. And so of course, dark or not, I would like, still, I'm like, thumbs down, thumbs down guys. Like I'm like jamming my thumb into the door number, like ready to break my thumb in the side of the car. <laughs> and uh, they, they were like, Hey, uh, just let you know, like the flag stand couldn't see what you guys voted on. And I was like, well, isn't that your answer? Like if you can't see <laughs> and you're right over top of us. Um, so they, you know, then we were like, pacing some more and i'm like my heart is like pounding out of my chest like it is like i'm going nuts inside the car like what are they doing are they gonna call it like what are, what are we doing like i'm like saying all my prayers i'm like call the race call the race like if huge raindrops could just hit the windshield right now they're like perfect like be done with it and uh then when we got off turn two we're pacing down the back stretch and doug randolph got on the radio and was like uh, it's too dark to continue. NASCAR is calling the race. You need to follow the pace car across the start finish line, take the checkered flag. Congratulations. And I was just like, in that moment, it was like pure shock. Like, did that really just happen? Did I just really just hear that? Like freaking out. Like, you know, I was practically crying inside my helmet. Like it was just in that moment. I was just like, I cannot believe this. We we're winners in the NASCAR Xfinity series. Like if you would have told me that, that was going to happen i'd have called you a liar like i mean of course we go out every race and that's the hope and the dream is to race for the win and and to win the race you want to win it you know under speed and everything and to the true finish to the race but uh you know take it how you can get it so i was just overwhelmed with like i can't believe we just won this race and you know i was just like at that moment then you're really like what was that noise in the car dude we run out of gas like please please don't die like please don't do this to me like i'm so sorry for whatever i've done wrong karma please do not do this and uh <laughs> yeah we crossed the finish line took the checker and i was freaking out so excited to go do a burnout you know i practiced them enough on like nascar dirt today tone on my playstation 2 growing up like <laughs> you know i was ready to smoke it out and blow the thing up but um no it was just that was just an incredible incredible overwhelming emotional feeling because like i said like growing up you know through elementary school middle school high school like missing all the birthday parties all the sleepovers all the homecomings and proms and all the like social events that you normally do uh you know at the time you're like man is it worth it like i'm missing everything in life growing up to go racing you know, is this going to be worthwhile? Am I going to make something of myself with this? Or am I just going to look back at like, I'm glad I did all that racing. And, uh, it was like that moment. It was like, you just washed over, like somebody lifted a million pounds off your chest. Like it was worth it. And it was just like super overwhelming. And, uh, I, I just remember like everything being kind of a blur after doing the burnouts and, and, and getting to enjoy that moment, grab the checkered flag and like, I remember like thinking, you know, all the other drivers hand a checkered flag to some lucky fan in the stands and you see little kids like, Oh, what the flag? And I was like, Nope, this thing's mine. Like not giving this to anybody. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was just, it was an incredible, incredible feeling. So is, is that trophy in the, in the closet with your, your degree or where's that, where's that at? Yep. No, um, no, actually uh, I always promised, my dad that like if we want to race like i was going to be be able to bring the trophy home to him and mom 
So I, we took the trophy home um, to the shop and we all had these big parties like in Tyler Young's shop and, you know, celebrated the win, um, you know, celebrated everything that we accomplished. And then uh, after that, like I, when I was going home uh, to visit like mom and dad, I took the trophy with me and got to bring it home to them. So it's somewhere in their house. So like the last time I saw it, it was in the basement, like on their bar like right there so it's always cool to see and selfishly i'm always like maybe i'll go back and steal it but it's a really hard that thing is heavy like people are like did you lift it over your head and i'm always like yeah like just lift it over your head it's not that bad and people like grab and they're like no way <laughs> yeah, they, they make those things pretty rugged uh they're definitely you, you grab a hold of it you're like damn I, I have something here i did something cool but i was like i think real anvil like like i think i can actually bend metal over it maybe we'll we'll bend we'll put our new crush panels on this thing i don't know <laughs> i don't know that you should have too many people trying to lift that thing because one of these times someone's going to make it budge a little bit and you're not going to have a trophy anymore i know yeah it's uh it's usually funny because like you see them like people like try and get it and like they'll get it a little bit up and see them and struggle and you're like all right, all right man. yeah like, uh, let's just calm down there how about, how about we uh take take that a little bit easy but i feel like if i was to win a nascar xfinity series race and it ended up on a bar at my parents house i would i would so selfishly like at least once a month go to that bar and just sit by myself with the trophy and maybe even talk to it i don't know you know have a beer with it pour one out for it at least and uh probably would bring that checkered flag with me too and i would probably be just waving it around you know just living it up down there and i have the checkered flag with me here um but sadly it's like rolled up in the closet because uh i gotta find a place to kind of display it and uh just haven't yet just there's there's a lot of those like odd and end projects around the house that i would love to do but because of how much we travel it's like you come up with all these great plans and you get the materials for it. And then they sit in their box and not move forever until you get some downtime. And then you're like, yeah, I don't really feel like doing that. I'm just going to chill. <laughs> you can, you so, can change that story up and just say that that checkered flags in the box right now, because the next checkered flag you get is going to be the one that gets put on the wall first. That's right. Yeah. We gotta like, you always got to have the next checkered flag that's going up on the wall, but the it'll be like, you put two up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can't have, have the like, cross flags, you know, looks cooler. Right. So um, I think that we would be remiss if we didn't at least maybe touch on it. But that day in Talladega was also uh, as well and as good of a feeling as it was for you and as positive as it was for you. There was also a lot of negative that came with that. So within the, uh, the realms in which we can speak, um, you know, can you at least touch on, you know, what what some of the negatives were of that day too because that created quite the stir uh not only in uh you know social media world but it, it it's become almost a uh a, a phenomena for you know the you know social scene i guess yeah no it was it was pretty nuts because like when i first heard it like the chance of course like i was like i didn't really think much of it like you know, when, when Kelly told me this saying, let's go Brandon, I was like, I oh, doubt that. But, um, you know, I was so like involved in the win. Like I was just so focused on celebrating the win. I was so focused on driving the car to victory lane and wanting to just enjoy that moment and stand on the car, shake the beer on everybody, like 
spray everybody down with the Larry's lemonade. You know, that's, that was the goal. And, uh, ended up doing a little cool little can pop with my teeth. I guess people hadn't seen before. And I was like, yeah, I guess, you know, again, something translated from college, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> to racing. So, uh, didn't really take it seriously. Got, you know, after we celebrated, we got home, you know, next day I'm seeing everything blowing up on social media with it, like about the chant and everything. And, you know, again, like I'm just lighthearted, like having fun, like enjoying the win. Like I sent out a tweet, like, Oh, to all the Brandons, like we did it. Like, look what we accomplished. Like we went to victory lane and uh, yeah, there was like way more backlash from that than I ever thought. And it really, really grew. And I was like, Whoa, this is getting kind of crazy. So um, ended up, I mean, I guess still around the day, people chanting it, but, uh, yeah, it's, it, it got, it got so big and, uh, you know, it kind of made it hard on like me doing like the sponsorship stuff because that's what everybody associated me with. And I was like, wait, no, all I did was win a race. You know, all I did was go out and do what I love to do and that's drive and win. And, uh, yeah, so it got, it got pretty nuts, like social media wise. Are you still able to go back though? And, you know, obviously you did get that win and, and obviously there were some negatives that, that ended up following with it, but are you still able to go back and maybe turn on the highlights from that win and, you know, enjoy soak in that moment and be like, that that's me. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Like, uh, so we got a wind banner that we put up in the shop that had some pictures of the car doing the burnout and, and stuff like that. And like, I always look just like, I can always remember that moment of, of getting to do the burnout and getting to, to celebrate and just again, reliving that, that feeling of you did it, um, that I still like look at it as like, that's like the best day of my life. Like it was just, we finally won in the NASCAR Xfinity series. Like I, you know, kind of stapled my name in as a driver that can say like, I'm one of the few that's won in the NASCAR Xfinity series. And I'm one of the few that, you know, got to go stand in victory lane and stand in victory lane at Talladega. You know, it's, it's a track that you, you know, you dream of winning at, like, you know, you always dream of winning the big ones. You want to win Daytona, you want to win Talladega, you want to win Bristol. Uh, it, there's so many places that you want to win at because they have awesome trophies. They, it's like just the thought of like all the greats that raced here, like all the greats that stood in victory lane, like you got to stand in the same place for the same reason, like winning in NASCAR. And so I always look back on that day as like, I can't believe that we did that. It's still like, you know, you still have that feeling of like, I can't believe that we did that. Like, that's crazy that that happened, but we did it. We still get to relish that win and, and live in that moment. So I guess it's a good thing that like the trophies up in my parents, because if it was here, like I would look at it every day and like adjust my hat, like one size bigger, like, yep, that was me. Like, <laughs> So I guess it's better for me to, to not have it here, but it, it's still just so awesome to think of. I can't believe we won. So, so moving, moving forward then, I guess, I mean, you've, you've literally taken Brandon built motorsports from uh, a, a kid that just wanted to race a go-kart that wasn't all that great at it to a race winning Xfinity team, you know, with uh, I, I assume multiple cars and, you know, full-time yeah. crew and employees of your own and, you know, you, you've built a living, breathing machine in terms of, you know, a business model for yourself and, and a sustainable race team. So um, what's the next step? Are, are we trying to go to Sundays here? Are we waiting for a phone call? It, you know, are we going to 
we're going to make a lateral move. What's, what's the next step for Brandon Brown? What's your next best day? Yeah. So, um, you know, because like, because of where we are, like I've, I've really loved building this program and what we've been able to do. And I think it's, it's such like that in itself is also one of those accomplishments of like, wow, I cannot believe that I was a part of this journey. Like with dad and David Clark is like the owners of the team. And just like, I'm really and truly just the driver, but I was on the ground floor with them building a program. And to be a part of that and say that I did that is just a, an amazing feeling. Um, you know, it, there, I know that the time is going to come that Brandon Belt Motorsports is like, Hey, you know, Brandon Brown, you've been great, but we need to knock this up a level. We're going to get some paid drivers in and we're going to really, you know, ramp this up. And it's, it'll be at that time that I know that I will also have to set myself aside as the driver and go try and find that way into the Sunday show. Like I got to go find that sponsor that wants to go race uh, for wins in the cup series, go try and run for a championship because that's the ultimate dream is to, is to race on Sundays. And, you know, even if it's something where like, you know, we, we take a, like if I get some sponsorship and I go to a different Xfinity series program, maybe, you know, run up a, a, the next caliber to go run for like race wins weekend, week out and, you know, really try and contend for championships and, and everything, you know, I'd love to be able to do that and allow Brandonville Motorsports the opportunity to grow on its own. And, and you know, because what we have at Brandonville Motorsports is just an awesome program that that's building on itself now. And because it's building on itself now, it's kind of like Brandon's time to kick it in gear. Like, Oh God, okay. That team's going, it's, it's on its own. That's a well-oiled machine. Uh, we got to get Brandon figured out. So, you know, we, uh, I've toyed with the ideas of like, I wonder where I would go if it would be something like a truck team racing for wins, or would I go to a lateral Xfinity team, a better Xfinity team, or would I get my opportunity in cup? So, you know, that's the unfortunate part of racing as a career is, you know, you're the like job security, like never heard of, you know, (laughs) you gotta, you gotta go find the sponsorships. That's your job security. So, um, you know, just really and truly hoping that uh, we can nail down the partnerships needed to do that. And then maybe we get lucky and we get that phone call from like Joe Gibbs, Roger Pinsky, Richard Childress, Justin Marks, like any Spire, any big, you know, cup team. Or if we get, uh, you know, a call from Dale Jr. Like, Hey man, why don't you come run this car? Like, you're like, you okay. Like, <laughs> you know, thank you. Like we're not worthy, but uh yeah, because it's still, you know, one of those things that the dream is to continue building as a driver and uh, and then allow Brandon Motorsports to build its build itself. So I, you know, really, truly, I wish I had the answer as to what's next and what, what I get to do. But, you know, for now, just keep focusing on grinding it out, building myself, uh, working on the partnerships and trying to uh, to get to that Sunday show so we can start, you know, hanging out on Sundays. So, so it. it- I, I guess the uh, the question I have, I mean, obviously you're very familiar with you know w- what it takes to to fund a, a Saturday program, but you know what what's the ballpark dollar figure we're talking here for you know it, whether it's one or several in a lot of people's cases to to even attempt to even have a conversation about a Sunday race. Yeah, so uh, I know that the Saturday races. I mean, you're looking at budgets of anywhere to two to four million dollars a season um just to 
now, depending again, the equipment's going to make you how competitive is going to determine how competitive you get to be week in and week out. Um, there are some cases where you can take some lower budget equipment. You can, you know, put yourself in the right place, right time, avoid the wrecks and you're running in the top 10 or people make mistakes in front of you. And now you're running the top five and, uh, or you go to the super speedways where it's like the great equalizer and, and you're racing for a win. Um, so, I mean, you really, and truly, like when you look at the ballpark of budgets to, to move around, you're probably looking in the two to 4 million range for Xfinity. And, you know, if you want to jump up to the really top rides, you're probably looking at maybe the $6 million range, or you can go to cup and your probably range is looking about like that four to $12 million a season, depending where you're going to land. Uh, what kind of salary are you going to look for as a driver, you know, because all the sponsorship dollar goes into funding those teams to, to improve on what they have and, and to become like to be those race winning championship caliber teams. Interesting. I think that even before your, your uh, Talladega win, like I was always a big fan of you. Like I said earlier with the, uh, you know, you just mentioned kind of bringing like a lower budget team and like getting lucky and finishing in the top 10. Like there wasn't, I mean, you, you've had some pretty solid runs where you didn't just get lucky and you ran in the top 10. Um, and I, I always thought it was cool as a race fan, like, you know, just going down through the scoring pile on, like I was talking about earlier and seeing your name on there and seeing you, you know, running in the top 10, 12, you know, even the top 15. Did you, did you ever get to a point where like, like, I mean, I guess obviously you want to win every time you go out, but when you go out on the racetrack and say you run, eighth seventh or eighth like do you ever get you know are you ever happy with a seventh or eighth or are you just kicking yourself because you're like ah shit i could have got fifth i mean i mean we're still you know when we write into the top 10 we're all still fist bumps around bms like yeah let's check it out boys top 10 what's up um no we uh we still get really excited about running in the top 10 um i mean obviously running the top 15 it's exciting it's a good day um when we we're it's funny to look back like when we first started in the truck series like if we got a top 25 it was like high fives all around boys like what's up um but now now it's there's a frustration if you're running 25th to 20th to you know outside of the top 15 because um with what we've built to you know as you build your program and the equipment up you really start you know setting that expectation of like okay like top 15 to top 10 car like i have to be there as the driver so if you're not doing what your car is capable of then yeah you're kicking yourself but like at richmond we drove ourselves up you know to a top 10 finish at eight and uh loud and we were able to to do some off strategy drive up to a top five you know those days you're you know that's a that's an awesome moment because you're like you know we just took our car that isn't you know that, you know, budget wise, we, we should be like a top 15 team, but we took it right in the top five. Like, this is a great day, like great strategy, great work. And that piece that we talked about between the seat and the steering wheel actually kept it together. So like good days, <laughs> you know, that's, it's a, uh, so you still look at those as really good days. And then obviously you want to win, you know, you're like in New Hampshire with the new tires. I'm like, Oh, like if looking back at it, like if I just, you know, would have calmed down a little bit, uh, you know, maybe I could have got those tires to stretch and, you know, ran a little higher up and could have maybe gotten closer to a chance or maybe, you know, whatever would have happened. Um, I would at least been closer. 
And then, uh, but in that moment, you're also just sitting there like, please caution, please caution, please caution. Like, because I'm just going to turn into the biggest bully. Like, mm-hmm. as soon as we're going to fire off and I'm taking it all the way to the bottom and slide in front of everybody. Like, who cares? Um, but now you're, you're still really happy with those days. Well, I was just a drunk idiot fan in the stands. I uh, definitely would have enjoyed a caution late there and uh, been able to see you try to make that move work. But, uh, no, it seems like it's cool. It sounds like you got a good head on your shoulders, and it sounds like you don't plan on getting out of the seat anytime soon. You're just going to keep working on uh, trying to get that next ride and a better ride or just, you know, even stay in that that 68. And uh, we, uh, I love watching, you, you know, you do what you do in that car and being able to succeed like you have so far. So uh, I'll uh, I'll be sure to keep my white vans uh, bleached and not uh, and ready for any time that we may run into each other. Uh, yeah. hopefully, hopefully you'll be able to meet Charlie at some point in the near future. I'll tell you what though, his white vans are, uh, they're, they're in rough shape. Right they've now. seen some better they're days. Mine are in pretty rough shape right now, but, uh, now, like he said, I know he's been fortunate enough to meet you a couple times. I, for, for whatever reason it may be, I, I'm either racing myself or I'm doing something where I haven't been able to make it just yet. Um, but I do look forward to actually meeting you in person sometime, but, uh, the way I usually like to close these out. First off, why why the number sixty eight? All right, um, all right. So the sixty eight came because when I was re- when we were starting the go karts and we were at that little track in King George, the cart that we bought came with the number sixty eight. And I looked at it and like nine year old me and my you know extensive thought process was like, well, nobody has that in NASCAR, so that could be me. Um, like because that's how it works in the mind of a a nine-year-old like oh i'll just take the 68 i'll just tell nascar that's my number and they'll go okay man see you sunday but um <laughs> so uh the 68 you know i was like all right well you know we'll take it as far as we can and we took it to late models and raced it and then uh when we got to the truck series somebody already had the 68 so i was really bummed out so swapped at 86 and then when we got to xfinity we were like well nobody's got it we'll see we can take it and swap the points from the 86 to the 68 and uh we got to do it so i was like man we might actually take this thing to the top maybe maybe we can get brandy milk motorsports up to the cup series <laughs> and i and nine-year-old me was right but um now i i definitely recommend like when you come to the tracks like don't bleach your white bands just accept the dookie shoes roll like that <laughs> you, you, you went and you you kicked dirt, but it looked like you had a turd on your shoe. So did you use it? <laughs> it definitely did. It was not good. So I, I had never been to Atlanta Motor Speedway and uh, I don't even know. So uh, it's such a weird story of how like this, this radio show that we do sitting on a couch with, you know, USB microphones and stuff. Somehow, some way there was a fan of ours was like lives in the greater Charlotte area. His name's Brian. He was actually, uh, he's with us at Atlanta. And um, so I just on a whim bought a ticket, a flight down to Charlotte and I was going to go hang out with Noah and a bunch of our buddies. And, you know, the next day I was like, well, I got to find a ride to Atlanta cause I'm going to Atlanta. I have hot passes, like, but I don't have a ride. So I'll just get a rental car. And so I mentioned it on our podcast and this, this guy, Brian, uh, who's become a good friend of ours. He was like, Hey man, like if you're all right with just, you know, me, like basically just getting picked up by a stranger in Mooresville, I'll bring you to Atlanta. And so I met him that day. We drove overnight to Atlanta. Well, what I didn't understand or what I didn't realize was that it had absolutely downpoured. So we were like just trying to go basically navigate through the pit area. And we were on tar the whole time. And I was pretty aware that I was wearing bright white shoes. 
And so then we get over onto the grass and I'm just like, you know, walking through like nice and calm grass looks like it's all dry and stuff. I get to the bathroom and like, I'm doing my thing or whatever. And I look down and I'm like, what the, I like turned around and I was like, all right, well the drawers aren't dropped. So either I have made a mess behind me or that's mud. And then I just so happened to, you know, maybe have a couple of adult beverages and uh, so we we're good friends with Mamba Smith too. So he was, uh, you know, shooting the shit with you or whatever, a driver intros and walked over. And uh, yeah, I just, the first thing that came out of my mouth, I think was uh, guys, I stepped, uh, stepped in poo. And uh, yeah, you, you just called me Dookie Shoes. And then I, I think that I signed a BFP sticker for you after the race yeah. was over and you had me sign at Dookie Shoes and the, you know, the rest is history. But yeah, uh, white shoes at a racetrack is definitely an aggressive move, especially if you're a traveling circus like we are. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a tough yeah. Any and all race fans that have not been to a racetrack, have not experienced a hot pass, uh, or just actually just shown up in a grandstand, whatever it is, do not wear nice white shoes like please <laughs> don't make that mistake don't ruin them uh it, it's funny though because like walking around the infield like at like the nascar tracks every every one of them so different like you show up to bristol like it's all asphalt like on the, in, the inside i mean concrete track asphalt infield and uh you know i i thought that track would be safe for white shoes turns not rubber still kicks around like you ruin a good pair of shoes look back and you're like yeah i can clean them but they never clean up right like they never go back like you bleach your vans and then you pull them out and you look and they're like why are they yellow like <laughs> yeah <laughs> um then they come brittle and fall apart but uh no to all race fans listening if you're thinking about wearing all white tennis shoes to a racetrack brandon brown says no <laughs> <laughs> well, well but it got brandon brown on the podcast so you know <laughs> it, did, it did yeah i got now how gross the stands get too though like yeah that that shit's nasty but uh <laughs> so uh what one last question for you here well uh, we know that you're a busy fella and you got you got uh way more important stuff to do than we do but um for for a lot of people it's either it, the sights the sounds the the speed um you know j just some people just like going fast it's that simple other people it's the uh the people there but uh, for you specifically, Brandon Brown, what is it that makes you have to be at the racetrack every single week? Yeah, I mean, just uh, I guess it's just between the lifestyle of, of what I've grown up doing and just the love of being behind the wheel, the love of speed, the love of, you know, that feeling of racing, the competition. Uh, I mean, that in itself is like the driving factor of like, I have to be the best. I have to I have to win. So that, that keeps me at the racetrack week in and week out, and it keeps me motivated. It keeps all the wind in my sails to keep pushing forward. So, I mean, getting to do what you love for a living is just like a dream come true. So uh, going to try and keep living this dream for as long as I can and, and try to make the most of it. So it's, uh, you know, it, it's there's there's no feeling like it. I mean, I know, like, for fans that haven't been able to go to a race or, or attend a race, like, I highly recommend it in every way. Like it will change your whole like perception of the sport. Cause when you're there and the green flag drops and all the cars roll by you, it is, I mean, it's an insane feeling. Cause I've been there both on the side of a fan, like as a kid growing up going to Richmond raceway and then on the infield, like just being one of the drivers. And it's, it's, uh, I don't know. Once you're hooked, you're hooked and it's, it's hard to get away from. 
Well, I like that. I like that a lot. So uh, again, thanks, man, for popping on here. We uh, we appreciate it. We know that again, you're a busy guy, so uh, your time is worth a lot. And uh, you know, hopefully, again, like I like I said earlier, I, I get to meet you in person sometime. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks, man, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys. Race car, race car. Here we go, race car. <laughs> <laughs>